0: tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. slatterysgarage.ie
1: Morning. welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme this morning. Coming up on the show, Johnny Luby will be with me in just a few moments' time. We'll hear about some inconsiderate parking in Cashel. School bus uh, issues in North Tipperary. The political commentator John McGurk uh, on the protests and uh, one temporary lady's experience of having a liver transplant and of course our Friday panel will unpack the big topics of the week so all of that and much much more on the way you can text on WhatsApp 083 you can email tip today at tipfm.com let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today right throughout the uh, newspapers day coverage of that investigation into the use of uncertified springs in spinal surgeries at uh, Temple Street Children's Hospital. Uh, We'll examine if senior management was aware of their use, how many people knew and when. We'll be discussing that with our panel today as well. Also news of the Stardust all over the newspapers uh, today. The former manager of the Stardust uh, nightclub in North Dublin took to the witness box at the landmark fresh inquests uh, yesterday and claimed that he never saw emergency exits locked at the premises. The Irish Indo and their lead story is on the budget and the government is discussing proposals to repeat most, if not all, of the once-off social welfare payments in the run-up to Christmas. That's according to the Irish Indo Today. Once-off lump sum payments to social welfare recipients, including people with disabilities, those in receipt of fuel allowance, and carers are likely to be announced as part of next month's budget. Uh, To the Irish Times, and again, uh, the story of the protest at the Doyle is making headlines on uh, the Times, the erection of a, a mock gallows, a far-right protest outside of Leinster House on Wednesday is being investigated as a potential uh, criminal offence. And the gallows, as you know at this point, was covered with images of political figures, including the Taoiseach and Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald, and also coverage of what's uh, happened in Temple Street Children's Hospital on the front of The Times today as well. Uh, Just finally, the Daily Mail. And I love their headline. It says Varadkar, I'd like to split RTE in two. Sounds vaguely aggressive, I'm sure, but seemingly the Taoiseach wants a bailout uh, seeking RTE uh, to be split in two as part of major reforms at the National Broadcaster, which would see the creation of separate public service and commercial accounting divisions. Sure, what could go wrong with that? Anyway, that's a look at what's making headlines. If you want to make comments on any of that, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, wait, three, three double one, double three, double one. Johnny Luby is with me. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Fran. How are you keeping? I'm very well indeed, Johnny. Can we start with a, an email that I got because Eddie Morrissey was on to me from Cash Lions Club. Are you across that, Johnny? Because three members of the club um, they're heading off to the Galty Mountains for that end-to-end challenge tomorrow. Are you across that?
2: Oh, I'm not part of that, no, friend. I'll tell you something. When I go up three steps on a ladder, that's fell enough for me. <laughs> it's, as, it's as simple as that. Uh, yeah, I know Eddie well. He's involved in lots of great things in Cashel, and oh, I look yeah. the best of well, looked
1: to Will, them uh, Willie Fahey and DJ Horn, uh, they're taking on the uh, 31K. A trek across the Galti Mountains to raise funds for a new minibus for the Cashel Daycare Centre and it says if Johnny is in Cashel today, he might throw some of his millions into the street collection buckets right around Cashel from 10 o'clock <laughs> it says. so there you go,
2: I like it <laughs> Yeah, okay. fine, hey, I normally uh, uh, do it unless I'm financially embarrassed throw join a couple, of euro, a couple of euro into all the wonderful causes out there you know, it's absolutely fantastic it uh, what awesome? people do, yeah. you know, and that daycare centre in Cashel, oh, that's absolutely. a wonderful Brilliant. you know uh, that I've known many people that have used and I went up there myself to give a couple of talks with Sean O'Dea uh, and definitely I say give a couple of talks reminisce with uh, people oh, time has gone by uh, look I, if we could do something fun, we'd do something that sees, oh, that's it, great Lord, no.
1: GAA I suppose Johnny to begin with
2: that's right, Jeff. And last weekend, of course, was a huge weekend in Tipperary Holding, where we had Lockmore defeating Ross Gray, uh, Kilda, defeating Holy Cross, Tumivara beating Clonaldy, Ross Moore after extra time. And, of course, Tullus, Southfield beat Drum. The amazing thing about it is that uh, three of the matches, there was only a pint between them, uh, whereas Tullus did beat Drum, but maybe by seven or eight points. Uh, the Southfield would probably be the favourites now, although they'll end up playing uh, Lockmore in a county semi final. And the other semi final, then, with the 2 in our team teams Kildangan uh, are playing to me so they're, they're huge matches that all those are on maybe in a couple of weeks time mm. or tomorrow week and uh, Sunday week I don't know why the two I think myself the two semi finals should be on the one day in Simple Stadium and I hope they are it's only right that they should be sure. but uh uh, Casual King Cormac are absolutely flying then in the next year uh, of the Tipperary Holding uh, in the Premier Intermediate uh, they really uh, uh, have come of age and uh, the best of luck to them and mentioning Cashel uh, on the under Thirteens won a county uh, A final in holding so well done to them they're a club that's on the way back mm-hmm. up and it's good for Tipperary Holding ourselves uh Golden vehicle defeated Drummond Inch a, a second team and uh, they played well on the day, and mm. if they can produce performances like that, they have a huge chance against Kilsheel and Kilcash, who beat uh, Kappa White. And, of course, the near neighbours fought out a good battle. and uh, beat the Kickhams, and they go on now to meet Moneygall, who are the favourites to win the Intermediate and come up into the Premier Intermediate. So, look, it's all to play for, and it's wonderful. This weekend, it's all down to football, you know, and mm. we have, uh, in the football, uh, we have, all serious games out there golden until I think we' are actually playing in a, a, a game to stay up or go down uh, and that so uh, that's a big one but the big one Fran in Holland uh, maybe in the, the week half the next weekend yes. uh, is uh, the two neighbours, Port. Row and Newport oh, yes, they play in a relegation battle one to stay up and the other well, to go down well. and imagine the two neighbours I'd love if I'm around to watch yeah. those matches somebody asked me who would you shout for well I said Timmy Flight has been good to me for a long number of years despite the abuse that we have <laughs> given him I said he's a tremendous guy yeah. he has been good to me I said that's other side of the kind I need only picked up the phone from time to time and talked to Liam Sheedy I said he has been brilliant to me so I said let the two of them soft out themselves and it is all a no matter who I am shouting for really? but yeah. uh, look. It's our, It's hey. It's brilliant, friend. And uh, of course, friend. And in the horse racing, uh, it's list all oh, week. So and weird. of course, are it's seven going? days of it. Are you going down? Friend, uh, I went down yesterday, in. But I called into that hill of Bern, which is just outside Newcastle West. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, there to a restaurant there owned by Morris and Olive Sheehan. Hey, it's unbelievable. It's the Greenway, and friend, the food there was absolutely superb. And uh, that I'd recommend anybody outer that's heading right. for uh, Kerry. To, and if you're going by Newcastle West, above on the top of Bernard I call into Olive and... Do Martin. they hire want... bicycles, did you tell me? Well? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. And of the green way all into uh, Abbey Field and into Listowel. Right. So I'm not into cycling myself, you know, but uh, uh, look, it's the place. And then, of course, we went to uh, the Eister Tavern last night, and it's out in Phoenix. Oh. It's probably one of the finest I've ever been in, and they say it's a small world when uh, is it Jimmy McGrath is the head guy there. And his brother was Eugene, who was the uh, vet with Derry Connors and Patsy a long, long time ago. And Eugene, of course, is married to Derry Connors and Patsy Connors and John Connors' his sister, Marie. Uh, and that so it's a small world. With And uh, Jimmy McGrath is in charge of the oyster. He served up some food last night. And I discovered that his daughter, Julia, is in the uh, Cashel Palace. Oh, so I said, now that we have a connection, we'll be looking for things half price in the <laughs> casual Palace. So, look, we had a, a wonderful evening and money coming back in. Uh, I came back into Abbey Field and we stayed in Abbey Field last night. So, we're heading back uh, this morning. We're just praying bread- for breakfast to be served. You have a great life. Miss-
1: you have a great hey, life,
2: friend, Charlie. By, by Mr. Tilly, who gave 32 years seven serving breakfast to the Queen in. in uh, did In he? Windsor Palace, yes. Did he? So you can say hello to Chris Dilly and Rob. They're here and they're waiting for me to get what? off the phone to sit down and have the coke. Well,
1: off. does he know that you're much more important than royalty? <laughs> that you are the royalty of Tipperary?
2: <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, but uh, yeah, friend, uh, uh, yeah, it is unbelievable, really. Uh, yesterday, friend, morning went thanks to Tip FM for allowing us to say it. we had a wonderful morning for the. Uh, hospice in the hall in Golden. We had a huge turnout right. and uh, that. And I would certainly like to say that when you have the likes of, uh, I mean, the night before, uh, to went to Rita, Jane and Eileen Bowles and Coralvin, Mary Cork, and Margaret Dewey Kathleen McCarthy and, and I hate mentioning names but mm. these are the people mm. who just served up the teas, coffees and buns and all of that and hey, it was a grand morning for two and a half hours and I met a woman there uh, asking for you and she says, I would not know friend Curry." if he walked in that door. I dread to
1: think how you described me. The fat fellow on the radio, it, I suppose. I, said,
2: as I looked, and used, I just had a small bit burly, I said, <laughs> both, an absolute gentleman. And that woman, that lady is Jane Fitzgerald, Hello, the mother Jane. of Michael and John, the two councillors.
1: Oh, my, oh, and
2: my. And I'll only whisper this, right. she asked me, and I'll whisper she said, will you ask Fran, will he go easy on the two whenever <laughs> they're at? <are?" laughs>
1: of course we will, of course we will. That Kathleen
2: McCarthy, you see, uh, sh- uh, she was in the same class as my missus going to school, and when my missus gave, gave me my first kiss outside the cattle melt which we spoke about with Alison uh, uh, <laughs> in Cashel. Yeah, 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 uh, um, Alison, yeah. and... Uh, what did uh, Kathleen McCarthy seemingly said that she met me walking up the street afterwards and I was fighting a bloody ghost <laughs> <laughs> and she was laughing about her you uh-huh. <laughs> were great times friend. but anyway listen look I, I uh, didn't realise
1: it was Catherine you were kissing outside the mart that's you. right I was wondering why you kept it to yourself you see I thought was... yeah
2: but you see Fran uh, and yeah. of course if I had kissed like the Spanish manager kissed uh, the, the girl that was getting the team <laughs> uh, she'd have disappeared as uh, she said i never come back again <laughs> <laughs> so but you, you were gentle. Days. It was nice
1: and gentle and romantic. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. was only a kind of
2: it. It's only a kind of a hog. Ah, but, friend, that. mentioning the hospices, uh, <laughs> yes. of course, uh, that was golden, and uh, thanks to everybody. And then Stuart Beatty, North Tipperary Hospice, Irish Cancer Society, in memory of Deirdre Darcy Hogan. Mm. That's on on the 2nd of October in the Abbey Court Hotel, and thanks to the Abbey Court for giving their facilities from 11 to 1 on the 2nd of October, and it is all for the North Tipperary Hospice and the Irish Cancer Society. Mm. And now, friend, tomorrow... Yes. A, a great place of yours, the 23rd of uh, September, which is uh, Saturday, in Clonacody House. Ah,
1: lovely with Helen and all the gang.
2: With Helen lovely. and Michael Brennan. Michael, yes. They host yeah. a hospice morning, a beulies, if you don't mind, big coffee morning from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'm going to try and get over there, friend. It's a wonderful place. It's years as I was in it, and I just said to my, Michael Brennan when he uh, rang me, I said, uh, he said, would you be? Able to? I said, of course we'll mention it. Yeah. I said, and he says, what well, about Friend, I said, didn't friend get huge employment kind of it in kind house for you? So <laughs> there's no
1: secrets that's... with you, is there? There's
2: absolutely <laughs> much, no secrets. Whoever, Fran. Yeah. Now, as a girl's friend, last Friday morning, of course, I went to Dorkins to cut the tape in yes. that optician's oh, new yeah. place. how in did Leo. that go? So it went brilliant. Only the bloody scissors wouldn't cut the the the, the <laughs> So, <laughs> I came out loving the world for the song I can see clearly now they uh, cleaned my glasses down and they done everything and look we had tea and coffee and with a bit of a uh Prosecco, a prosecco, is it? Or that? Prosecco. prosecco. Yeah, yes. Uh, and uh, we had a shot at that as well with a couple of sandwiches and that was a wonderful morning there. looked his there beside uh, the butchers and all of those wonderful places in chaos. So, look, these there is marvellous places out there, other opticians and that, but I can as a witness say that, look, the best of looked to and They're starting our friends yeah, and, uh, to, you know, to be brilliant for them. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, the... Joe Whelan's inside in Tiptown. Town. just texted me that uh, the fear savage busy at the moment with Santa Claus's ties, so the best of luck to them in in in, in all of that. Uh, I want to say uh, that friend next Thursday, Yeah, uh, we have the. Next Tuesday week, I think, it is, yeah, The race start in Tullus, so the best of luck to them. And Sunday, uh, the big meeting Sunday week in the Tipperary racecourse. Uh, you have one of the big, the, the biggest meeting of the year. And what is Am that? I still on?
1: What? A, yes, you are. Oh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying to listen to you. Yeah
2: yeah uh the biggest meeting of the year at Tipperary race course they have uh, three flat races all top class followed by uh, three hurdle races all top class uh and uh, that and of course two chases and uh if you're going to the Tipperary Racecourse dot they have the big screen there as well, Fran, where you can watch the pre-delert and everything else. And I suppose, Fran, talking about big screens and we have left it until last the rugby tomorrow evening. Oh, yeah. Anybody you'd meet is a case of where are you going to watch it? Ireland and South Africa.
1: What time, time is
2: that on it, uh, It's at eight o'clock, Fran, and it promises to be a mouth watering clash. Uh, well,
1: fuck it anyway. I have a gig, so nobody will turn up. <laughs> <laughs> a gig?
2: Uh
1: down in down in Cork, Rath Rathpeaking. I don't know. Do you know? It?
2: Jesus, Johnny, yeah. yeah. for looking for victims,
1: I might turn up. There you are. There you are. I couldn't <laughs> do that. Will you ask <laughs> Johnny? would you ask Johnny to wish my brother Paddy Lunigan from Turin and Care a very happy seventieth birthday? And uh, today, Johnny might remember him uh, when he was a referee, and he sent Johnny off in a match. And that comes in from all the family.
2: Listen, I'd have nightmares about Paddy Lundigan. (laughs) I know him quite well. He's a brother of John's. uh, Oh, I Mountjoy. Paddy Paddy, one time uh, was was definitely going to send in a huge thing to the Westport to make sure I didn't come back playing again and to see if it would be possible to get me into Mount Joy for a while. (laughs) <laughs> that was Paty <that> and <laughs> one of the all-time greats on referees. Hey, an absolute gentleman. That's uh, his sister, Phil. That's beyond in Ollies uh, in New in, Inn. Is it indeed? Good, it is, you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't know where you were talking.
1: Joe, uh, Joe, Joe friend, said Joe was correcting tomorrow you, Johnny. He says the two county semi- semi-finals they're on different days. One is on Saturday. Week they should and, be under on one day. And one is on Sunday week. Yeah,
2: okay. Friend, they should. In my book, they should be under on one day. Why shouldn't they be under on the one day? Yeah. Getting a crowd into Tullagh instead of having three or four thousand a day huddled up and everything else, it, that's what I'd be saying. And it's still not too late to put them all into the one day.
1: Yeah, but you see, you're, you're, you you're applying logic, wanted. yeah.
2: Yeah, but what they want is Johnny Luby to go on Saturday and Johnny Luby to go on Sunday. <laughs> and Johnny Luby <laughs> won't go to any of them now because well, they won't put them on the one day, but that's me anyway. So
1: you're on protest. Did you go to the bowling championships?
2: No, friend, I did not, no, honest to God. I just only when I put up the blind at half six in the morning and see tractor going up the road, that's enough for me still going up there. I haven't any interest for I was in it forty five years ago Just the London Rockwell College. I took one look in over the ditch and I see fellas there with Wellington's and they up to their ankles and knees in, in shit and muck I'll say it quickly but it's unbelievable but Frank to go to the rugby yeah 8 o'clock tomorrow evening you see I'm in Bailey's at a quarter past six somebody is bringing me out for something oh. to eat in Bailey's now I did say James you left to operate without me because I said the rugby match but mm. now they brought the dinner I think play to Bailey's in Casual they said if Johnny Doobie wants the dinner I brought forward will be brought forward for him. Um, and I'll go and watch the match then. Wherever I go, I don't know. I was half thinking of going to the ship, beyond on boat. Uh, I'd never make it in quarter of an hour. or no. So we'll no. see. I could still end up there. Uh, yeah, friend, I want to say hello to Anthony Halley. He works with the council. Tunes in every Friday morning for the crack and everything else. So hello to Anthony. And, of course, friend, always uh, there we seem to be having sympathies to family Sean Boland uh, of Etonville, there in a wonderful man mm-hmm. I knew him years ago, a great farmer meet him in Listowel back through the years outside in the White Sands and Ballyhike and all of that, so our sympathies to the Boland family on the death of Sean mm-hmm. and of course Mrs Foley uh, as well in uh, uh, Main Street in Clonmel her husband was tidy there uh, he was a butcher shop there in uh, Clonmel we used to meet them in Listowel as well so Listowel certainly held wonderful memories and I'll finish by telling you that one night we were in the uh, White Sands in High at about 11, 12 maybe 1 o'clock in the morning and Colin Murray the Lord have mercy upon him that wonderful reporter from RTE uh, he'd stuck his head in the door and I was standing up on top of the table entertaining a few uh, guys around as best I could I said the very man Colin Murray so in he came from an, and he recited poetry that he loved in, I think Mullingar CBS, uh, maybe he? 30 years before that. And was he disgusted the morning after because it was half five when he was leaving the, the snug in the <laughs> hotel <laughs> <laughs> and he had to do reporting duties for RT. So he said, respect Johnny Loopy. And he said, I don't want to see him again for a while. Uh, we, all but but we all say uh, that. regretfully, uh, 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 passed away a few years ago he from did the dreaded motor neuron. You know, uh, but, uh, uh, Johnny, uh, can
3: and, you
1: congratulate the Family for me as well because the Richie and Breda Horgan Memorial. Oh, yeah. Do you know how much they they made? Because I was talking to Brian last uh, Friday night. Thirty two thousand three hundred and eighty one euro this year. Yeah, Frank. Hey,
2: what a amazing? what a family! What oh, a family! Stone. They are running yes. that for uh, ten years. They've uh, they yeah. brought in well over a quarter of a million. Yeah. They have went all over Ireland to get teams. Mm. Teams have come from all over Ireland to support that wonderful cause. Yeah. And uh, the Horgan's absolutely brilliant. A phone call here, there, and oh, tried so to get yeah. a, a chap to make up a team or a girl to make up a golf team and that. And Dundrum, of course, have been fantastic to them in hosting the, uh, right, uh, yeah. uh, that event for 10 years. And, uh, that, and they had a thank you to everybody who was supported. I think, from what I read, that uh, unless uh, people... Other people get on to them to keep doing what they're doing, maybe on a smaller scale. Yeah, but uh, I think they were they're going to take about,
1: a little bit of a break from it, that's for, right. For a, a bit while, of a
2: break, yeah. but friend, the hospice uh, looks certainly uh, is it is a one and look. I've been asked teen times, even the Deirdre Darcy Hogan, the Arctic Prairie, yeah. and Michael Brennan, that, just to say thanks to Tip FM for giving them the the, the couple of minutes because well, we're, we're and I would, ask yeah. And finally, I would ask everybody or anybody out there that's going for the TDs uh, next May or June or whenever it is, to make the uh, hospice... A priority that it gets proper funding and not to be plumsing the people of doing this and doing that. The the the, the hospice uh, does wonderful charities there, but the hospice is one of those tremendous charities, and each TD should make it uh, uh, on his uh, priority. manifesto yeah, priority, priority yeah. Uh, and that uh, to get proper funding. Uh, not to have them going down their hands and knees begging and the whole lot. Make a proper, well, funding. Well,
1: well said. And speaking of the elections, Johnny, can you stop people from calling me to ask is Johnny Newby putting his hat in the ring for the. Have you made up your mind yet?
2: Yeah, Fran, I have made up my mind. Well, and as of now, I'm definitely going. That's number one. And as I said last week, I'm going to see as well. I have to find out. They tell me you'll find out lots of things from the county council. Can I actually stand in the two parts of the North and South?
1: I don't know. I don't know. You see?
2: And also, I'd be up front. Look, listen, lads. I haven't cutters thrown together, so my can, my so uh, my... Uh, posters and all that thing. Hey, listen, I won't be done any of that. I won't be done the YouTube, iPod, Snapchat, college, what you like. I'm not into that thing. You'll just have to say, look, I know. And can I put down Johnny Luby on the poster instead of John Luby?
1: You can, of course. Why Why couldn't you?
2: Yeah, well, the chap went one time. Abby at the Holy CrossFit Simons. <laughs> That's a long, long time ago. Right. So I suppose when when they could put it down I can certainly put it down they wouldn't have yes,
1: you if you put John Luby on by the, by the way no, Pat, Pat, it, yeah. Pat Carey was on and he says tell Johnny I'll be in Murphy's of Lanzarote to watch the rugby and that's Pat Carey he's in Stakelips today in Thirless yeah
2: but Jesus, I'm into the great country. Isn't it brilliant? And you're back. off down in
1: Cork uh, playing to... I mean, Cork, yeah, to nobody because <laughs> the bloody rugby <laughs> matches. is on. Um, What was it called? Oh, yeah, would you say hello to a recent friend that you met? Uh, that's uh, John Fitzpatrick up there in Clanmore, because he has the great oh. Seamus Moore there. So, do you know Seamus Moore from, from the UK? No. The big, oh, bam- the, oh, the big bamboo and oh, all of that. Oh. oh,
2: Jesus, was he the Holy Island? They oh, call it whole, yeah. great deep potholes
1: no, every trail. Something like that, but there's nothing holy about Seamus Moore, and he'll prove it tonight in Clanmore. That, that's for sure. <laughs> oh,
2: by chance, <laughs> I'll tell you friend, if I'm back in time, you'll never know what me is. I could arrive at the last minute.
1: Could you? Okay. Well, you yeah. and Seamus yeah. Moore now would get on great together.
2: By God, yeah, I yeah. just might give it a lash. you see, but the only thing is, I'd say my missus is listening, so oh. she'll know I, I don't like her to know where I am at if all She's time. not at Mass, no. <laughs> no, not this morning, she was with the, she was with me, she with me at maybe Field, she said she'd come down and see what I get up to.
1: Oh, very good, alright. Okay, so, Johnny, well, when you get back, uh, we'll, we'll we'll chat to you, and a uh, safe journey and all of that.
2: A safe, right, friend. and don't forget Clonacody, kind of if you're back in time from Cork or wherever it is.
1: No I'm bother, kind of Cody, and that's tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow. Uh, 10 Between to, 10 and, uh, 10 to 10 to and 2, two. alright good stuff. Hey, thanks, friend. All right, Johnny, look after yourself. Bye-bye, Janelle. That's the great Johnny Louie speaking to us from, where did he say? Happy Field, I think it is this morning. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 3311
3: tip today with fran
0: curry with slattery's garage puck on you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts call slattery's garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24 or slatterysgarage.ie
1: Catherine was on to say, I'd vote for Johnny anyway. He has my vote uh, better than the shower that's in there. Catherine, be careful, be careful what you wish for. Could you imagine him in the doll sitting beside Michael Healy Ray between Michael and Danny? And oh, Lord, God, I don't know. One of our listeners was in touch with concerns about school bus transport in Burris Kane. Caroline joins her now. Caroline, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Caroline, but you're not because you describe yourself as being at your wits' end at this point. Uh, will you tell me oh. the story of bus transport in your area?
4: Um, currently, uh, my second-year student in Bursa has no transport um, and he holds a full eligible ticket.
1: So he's, um, he's el- eligible for a ticket, but there's no transport. Is that it, Caroline? Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, and this is my second year I've been hit badly by bus there, and I was in the same situation last year. He um, was eligible for a ticket, didn't have a physical ticket due to the backlog, but my elder son, who was also travelling on the bus with him at that time, had a ticket. So I had one without a ticket oh my God. and one with a ticket. And this went on up to near midterm. term and but uh, the contractor that was in place at the time last year, was kind, kind enough to let him travel for the first couple of weeks, but then we were instructed by the inspector that he couldn't travel all, so he was put off the bus So what and, what did uh, you do
1: then, Caroline? You had one son on the bus, one off the bus <laughs> what, what what did you do?
4: I had to organise um, my mother yeah. to uh, ferry them in and out There was no point in putting Adam up on the bus when Ryan had no tickets, so she brought them boat in and out for me. Now so I work in Tullamore which is the opposite direction Wow, yeah Making it extremely difficult for me, and uh, it's a one-parent household also. So, yes. um, it was it was tricky enough now, and here I am again now this year, being faced with the same situation.
1: And what exactly is is the problem? They're not full. They're mini buses. Is is that it, Caroline?
4: No, there is there is a, a mini. Now, my two were on a minibus last year with a few other local children. Mm. Um, it wasn't full to capacity, and. Um, they, everything once had kicked off worked great. Um, the previous contractor was great and, and awful accommodating and, and it was actually the same contractor that I would have travelled on also those years ago. I yes. been yesterday. Yeah. Um, we're talking ugh, over 30 years ago. Mm. So um, this year, I don't know what went on but a, a minibus was brought on to take overflow and uh, yeah. Ryan jumped up on the bus on the Monday morning and he was fine. And on the Tuesday morning, when he got onto the bus, the driver uh informed him. And now it was no fault of the driver, he had his list and he had to stick to it. But sure, the driver informed him that from Wednesday he wouldn't be able to travel on the bus because his name wasn't on the list,
1: even though he had and a valid, valid ticket.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: He yeah. had a valid I had ticket that
4: I had paid for. I had paid for on time, um, when, when requested by Bus Aaron. So from the Wednesday, we've been in this situation where myself and a friend and neighbour of mine who has two kids that are friends at Ryan are also off the bus. Um, between myself and herself, we've been both pulling our hairs out, trying to find a, a way of getting them so in you, out. So you've,
1: you've been in touch with Buzzairn, obviously, or how has that I, worked out?
4: They, they didn't make any contact with me uh, to tell me that Ryan wouldn't have a seat. And uh, I had to make contact with them and I'd say every parent in the country knows how hard it is to get through to both air and uh, school transport in particular. Um, to no avail. I mean, when I rang the customer service representative, it was I felt reading off a, a scripted sheet with responses. And I've requested numerous calls back from the local office. I don't even know what the purpose of this local office is. They never contact you, they never ring you back or answer any queries. We get a generic email every Friday evening Stating the same thing, but
1: they're still listening to a resolve to the situation. My God, now we've been in touch with them. We're still awaiting a reply as well. So as soon as we. we, <laughs> Best we, we yeah, yeah, I know. I know. We'll say, do you know I'm doing this job, Caroline, for about 25 years. Every year it's the same story, these ridiculous situations, you know?
4: Yeah, yeah, but. And the, the funny thing about it is, I do believe, I, I know of one confirmed concessionary ticket holder on the minibus that's passing my house and Ryan standing. Um, and concessionary tickets, I don't know if you're aware, are given out to students that aren't in the catchment area. Yes. So these students are travelling on the bus and uh, they're not. How's but, that fair?
1: But they're from outside of your area, but they are travelling.
4: Yeah, travelling. Now my, both my boys went to school in Carrick National School, uh, fully knowing that they, that wasn't in my catchment area and I was undertaking doing school uh, lifts up and down, school runs for a few years before they went into Bursa Cain to catch the same bus that I did. Um, but that was of my own choice, knowing full well that I wasn't eligible for a bus. But they're in Bursa now where they are eligible for a bus and, and slap bang in the middle of the catchment area.
1: And what have you paid? How much have you paid, Caroline?
4: They gave us—I think—they gave us the the school bus tickets at half price to apologise for the uh, this year uh, to apologise for the blunder they made last year with giving out all these free tickets. And um, but sure, to be honest, Fran, I'd have paid the full full price of it if I thought that Ryan would have paid
1: it. Of, Of course, you would. Were you in touch with any of the local representatives, Caroline?
4: I was, a few of them, yeah, I won't name anyone, but uh, yeah, they, and they've been extremely, extremely helpful. Right. but Extremely helpful.
1: But still, you're not sorted out.
4: We're not, but we, we learned yesterday evening, late yesterday evening, that both Aaron um, have a contractor lined up and we should be resolved by Monday week. But you know what, Fran? I don't believe it. I'll believe it when the boss picks line up.
1: Yeah, but I mean, why couldn't they have sorted that out before school kicked off?
4: your guess is as good as mine and I mean when the contractor pulled out why weren't we or pulled out or was discontinued or whatever the case may be? I don't know what went on but whenever they found out that there was nobody to take the kids to school I really do think that they should have been in contact instead of leaving it to the poor bus driver to tell the children.
1: Of course yes
4: yeah. It's totally I mean it's a faceless entity it's impossible to get any meaningful communication from them a generic email on a Friday evening isn't acceptable.
1: And did you ever have a conversation with anybody from Bus Iron?
4: Just a customer service representative who, uh, like, no help. No help whatsoever. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we, as I say, we emailed them, and we'll make some more inquiries, Caroline, and we'll see what we can do where this is concerned. But it, it happens every single you know, like, year, you know?
4: I know, Fran, and this is just my situation. Like, yeah. and I, like I can only talk about me. Uh, and what's going on in my household and the household of the girl who's helping me out who works in Turles, by the way, and has to double back on herself every morning when she takes them in in the yeah. morning.
1: Fair play to her. She's
4: wore yeah. out. Fair play. Fair, and my mum goes in at three o'clock and sits in school because she's nervous of loads and loads of traffic around her, so she yeah. wants to make sure she gets parking space.
1: But it's stressing but I, her out talking, you were saying, Caroline.
4: Oh, it's stressing yeah. her out. And I don't want her stressed out. I mean, she's Course not she spring does. chicken. She won't appreciate me for saying that now if she's listening. But um, that's that's not helping matters, you know. It's
1: not. All right, Caroline. Well, let's put it out there and see if we can get some reaction uh, to this, and we'll be back to you straight away if we manage to do so. Is it, is that okay, Caroline? Yeah, yeah.
4: And I hope I hope every parent in the country gets on board because I do believe it's it's all across the country. For, yeah. uh, both there and are duping every parent in this country. It's just they really need to reformat the whole organisation.
1: All right, Caroline, great to talk to you today. As I say, we'll be in contact with you soon, hopefully, and look after yourself, and my best to your mum as well. Thanks, Caroline.
4: Fran, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Not
1: at all, Bye, bye. you now. That's uh, Caroline there. As I say, for all those years in radio, every single year we hear about these ridiculous situations, particularly the nonsense about two brothers. One of them has a ticket for the bus, and the other doesn't. I mean, really? I mean, how often have we heard that as well? 1800 938 007.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: And uh, you're very welcome back to Tip Today, 1800 Nice to hear from Father Jim in Thurlis uh, last night and he just wanted me to remind you that the priest's... Are um, in concert to the trio, of course, the musical trio, that is the priests. And they're from the Diocese of Down and Connor and in Northern Ireland, and they're hugely popular. They're appearing at the Cathedral of the Assumption on Friday, September 29th. Now, last time round, this was a superb concert and a really outstanding success. So tickets are on sale uh, pretty much uh, right now, if you want to pick up your tickets uh, for that. And as I say, it should be an absolutely fantastic occasion uh, altogether. I'm looking for the number here for the um, for the tickets. I'll have a look for it later on and I'll bring it to you. But anyway, put that date in your diary, the 29th of September. Now, as well as that, the Thomas McDonough Hedge School um, it, it kicked off yesterday and it runs right through until the 24th of September in the lovely Thomas McDonough Museum in Clock Jordan. And it aims to be one of the highlights of the museum's 10th anniversary program. And uh, tickets are on sale via Eventbrite. And the Hade School offers a unique opportunity, I'm told, to learn about one of Clock Jordan's finest, the poet, patriot, the great Thomas McDonough, as part of a fascinating poetry inspired program of creative writing and uh, workshops inspirational talks uh, interactive discussions and poetry readings as well and we have a pair of tickets to give away uh, to that right now and uh, all you have to do is tell us in what town and i've been speaking about the town in what town was thomas mcdonough born where was thomas mcdonough from 3311 Now, social media has been inundated with the posts in recent days of bad parking and sadly dangerous and very inconsiderate parking as well. Now, while motorists are often guilty of parking awkwardly, thinking it won't have any impact, the reality is that it does have a huge impact, particularly on people with disabilities. And this was highlighted on social media last night by a great friend of ours, Angie McGrath, in Cashel, and it's especially pertinent today because today, would you believe, is National Make Way Day. And Angie joins me now. Good morning to you, Angie. Hello, friend. How are you? And lovely to talk to you, Angie. But would you tell I'm looking at the photographs in front of me here. Is, is that your mum in the wheelchair? Is that your. It is. Oh, I my God. You. Will you tell me what happened, Angie?
5: What happened was um, my mother's in St. Teresa's there in mm. Forest Street and myself and my aunt picked her up there yesterday and we said we'd um, take a trip down to Spearman's. She loves Spearman's. And we said we'd walk down as far as Kilkenny shop. We now, as you can imagine, uh, people that don't know Cashel, that's literally just down down Forest Street, cross at the cross, and then into Spearman's and down to the Kilkenny shop.
1: Yes.
5: No problem, you might think, except for... We went down, we went to Spearman's, had a great time. Shout out to Hannah there, she's a great woman. We're walking down along and it's probably about 200 feet maybe mm. to get from one shop to the other. Two Jeeps parked up on the double yellow lines and the footpath and completely in almost, I don't know how people are getting in and out their doors there because there wouldn't be a way it's of getting out, a, I can tell clever, you.
1: Angie. you couldn't even walk. Don't mind to say a wheelchair, you couldn't walk in no, that you gap. No,
5: literally, I home. mean, yep. God forbid... And if an emergency vehicle yeah. had to try and pull into that street I mean horrific stuff so we had to come back up cross at the cross in there at North Fahy's then cross in Fire Street which is an absolute nightmare you ha- there's nowhere to cross there's nowhere to get a wheelchair up on the footpath nightmare situation so we, we did that, we'd walked down the main street, the walking isn't a problem. It's not like, you know, we can't walk somewhere. Of course. It's the convenience for the wheelchair. And down, and then, obviously, there's a crossing down there. We crossed onto the Faza, walked around and went to the Kilkenny shop. That was fine. We had to do the same to come back. Now, I mean, anyone that's using any kind of a mobility aid, or even a person just pushing a buggy with, with um yeah. a child, I mean, it's outrageous. Parked up in the footpath, not a bother, gone off no regard for anybody. Um, no, There was no way to get off the footpath and go around them because there's no access to wheel the wheelchair off and come back around. It just isn't a way of getting the wheelchair off the footpath to go around them, which you shouldn't have to do anyway. But... Um, yeah, what made a, a lovely morning outing for a, a very high, tense and huge yeah. amount of traffic and forestry is that, yeah, it turned it into a, a bit of a nightmare for
1: And I'm, I'm just looking at the, the cars are very expensive models as well.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah people all, people can't walk anymore and yeah. God forbid you to take a couple of steps from the right. car par- I mean, there's two huge car parks in the middle of, yeah. on the main street, massive car parks. There's on-street parking and the whole lot. Yeah. Not And and,
1: uh, Angie, that's where I would know as Back of the Pipe, is it? Back of the Pipe. pipe, Yeah,
5: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I I tagged Liam Brown, one of your contributors. They're your regular contributors. He's a local activist here in the town and uh, a great chap for helping out people. And. He had, had, uh, which I hadn't seen because it just hadn't been on Facebook um, this week as so much, the Make Way Day was today. So I just thought, you know what, I wouldn't be normally one now to do stuff like that and be taking photos and what have you. But I just thought, you know what, just to highlight the inconvenience and the inconsiderate parking that goes on. I mean, it's, it's a big thing in Cashel anyway, the parking, you know, that people abandoned their cars in all manner of places but um, yeah.
1: and
5: yesterday now in particular was a bit you know.
1: And in another photograph I see that there's a bicycle chained to a post but it does, again it doesn't leave any room for a, for a wheelchair.
5: It doesn't and, it's, as, and it, it, that's part of the, the make way day yeah. campaign yeah and just turned in and again now that person probably didn't think for a second that that was going to cause inconvenience mm. but it does it does for people, you know, it's like it's like the dog styling the footpath, yeah. you know, and I mean, I'm a massive animal lover, as you well know, but that's outrageous. You know, it gets on wheels and people that use the wheels to push oh. themselves along, I mean, it's just it's so awful. Well, and Angie, if I remember correctly,
1: was there not a couple of initiatives some years ago to make the town more accessible for wheelchair users, wasn't that...? Well, if there was, no
5: plan, I can tell you, my mother is um, in the wheelchair. And to be honest with you, we were going out to the cemetery the other day and my father's grave and literally a nightmare. My brother and myself were taken and my niece were taking my mother out to see my father's grave. It's not that far out, you know, for anyone that doesn't know Cashel, it's not all that far out. There's a new housing development there. Um, literally we were on the road for most of the time dodging car, dodging speedy traffic. People drive very fast on that road um, because there's no access up and down off the footpath. The ones that are there are broken and cracked and badly damaged. I'm not blaming the new development now, just in, in general. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, we, it was a nightmare. It was, till we got to the Gouts Pool and actually got onto the footpath, literally we were taking our lives in our hands and my mother's life in the wheelchair in our hands just to go to the cemetery. I mean, you'd imagine that would be extremely well catered for, you know. I mean, it's.
1: it's is, is it a case, Angie, that you're, you're never fully aware about. The importance of this un- until you have somebody in a wheelchair or Absolutely. until you're in a wheelchair yourself, yeah.
5: Absolutely, friend. That's so true because mm. it's that. Oh, I'm just running in here quickly. Like yeah. the two, there's two disabled spaces in Wesley Square there, beside um, Super Value and Up. Yes, yeah. And the, the abuse that those two spaces uh, take, and the people that should be using them can never really use them. Um, because people just zoom in there to fly into whatever is, shop. Is that a Sean
1: O'Dier's place? There is that. A, uh,
5: there, between dear yeah, it's yeah. so convenient for yeah. anybody who won't have a disability because they've the supermarket, they have and um,
6: mm.
5: the chemists, they have um, Mocara's, um thrift shop is there, which is great, very accessible for people. All three mm. shops, but the spaces are rarely available to the people who genuinely need them.
1: It's. It, I, I find it incredible. So, Angie, will you put the message out there? What would you say to people listening this morning?
5: I'd say to people they should have a little think about what they're doing.
1: Yeah.
5: And you know, is that cup of coffee or is that quick thing that you need in the shop worth inconvenience and? somebody and actually frankly making things dangerous i mean if you yeah. go out into traffic in a wheelchair it could be very serious i mean it could be extremely serious that something was bad on. and also that you you know you don't get a drop of rain on you you don't have to walk a couple of feet to the shop you know just well, parking parking spaces that are available to you there's loads of them in Cashel. and like there is a lot of parking in Cashel. it's just a People use them. Yeah. And also, please, please clean up after your dogs. You just don't realise how dangerous that is and
1: how dirty that is for people who, who use wheelchairs, you know. Well, it's Make Way Day, uh, Angie, and if people want to go on to makewayday.com, they'll find some uh, extra information there. They will. Uh, I hope your will. mum is is doing okay, Angie. She's doing fine, friend. Yeah, She's not yeah.
5: too bad at all. Well, yeah. pass yeah, on my good wishes to her? I will, of course, yeah. friend, and thanks very much.
1: All right, thanks for talking to me, thanks. Angie. Thank you. Good morning Bye. to you. Make Way Day, and uh, Angie giving... Some very good advice uh, there where that is concerned. Now, just a while ago, we were speaking to Caroline and she was describing um, her experience around uh, school buses and uh, Martin joins me now. Martin, good morning to you. Hi, Fran. How's it going? No surprise to you listening to Caroline today. I think you have a similar issue, Martin, have you?
7: We've We've had a similar issue. I've had a daughter on the bus for the last five years and we got notifications a couple of days before school that there'd be no seat for her or my son. God. this year on the bus. Even though,
1: I've and, and, and had they the bus um, in previous years?
7: My daughter has been on it the last five years right. and my son he'd be going into his second year I've been on the bus right. and we got notification just there's no seats available. And, Tried to contact bus there and they said by the time they got to our application the seats had run out and I could appeal it which would take four to six weeks. So in the meantime I asked them how we're supposed to get to school so we could just and repeat their application.
6: But, yeah, so i did that at
7: the, the end of August and I've yeah. just got an email just a couple of days ago to say that they're processing it and they can't give me a time frame. So,
1: <laughs> but, yeah,
7: That's not good enough, Martin.
1: And what are you doing in the meantime?
7: Well, Fran, they're on the bus until an inspector, I suppose, goes on to it someday and puts them off. So we're hoping that won't happen. But right. at the moment, they're going on the bus in the Prospect that they won't be put off
1: it. <laughs> right, but the bus driver is looking after them at least
7: uh, in some well, way. Well, the bus driver knows them well yeah. see, um, throughout the years, but as I say, yeah. the and whole system. And is there was no flawed. problem
1: with payment or anything, Martin. You had paid your fee and.
7: Well, we buying the application when requested when they opened the uh, online yeah. applications, and they say we just got the email a few days beforehand saying there's no seats.
1: And if they are. <laughs> Tossed off the bus. What would you do then? Because
7: you know, how will you get them to school? Or I suppose we'll have to work around it somehow—public yeah. bus or something—and that that's not always worked because time that they start school and stuff, the public bus doesn't always make make the connection to the school. But
1: of course, and okay,
7: you, it's an ongoing issue for years, friend here in Cork as well.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say um, you're in the Cork area, so you're quite quite a distance away from where Caroline is in Borrisokane, so. This is all over the place this is happening because it will be our experience every year to hear these stories.
7: Yeah, it seems to be and I don't see how know how many people have applied for buses before the school reopens or bus seats like so it's not an issue that's yeah. been looked at every year, like I don't know how they can't solve it at this stage.
1: But you'd wonder, I mean, all they have to do is work out how many children that they have to transport and put on enough buses to suit us. I mean, you know, it's not rocket science.
7: Well, you'd imagine that, Fran, but they don't seem to be on the bus, the politicians. (laughs) They're on their own bus.
1: And and did you speak to local representatives in your area, for instance, Martin? I
7: did, Fran, but no one got back to me, unfortunately.
1: Nobody, at all. They, they just didn't return your calls, or they didn't?
7: Well, I sent a, an email, and I've contacted the office, but no correspondence back from
1: representatives. It's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely there's, incredible.
7: There's a lot of people in the same situation here, Fran, as well, and just see from the local papers and stuff, a lot of people
1: are in the same situation. Yeah, well, we, we've heard quite a few stories ourselves here as well. Martin, you look after yourself, and thank you for coming you on too. with me this morning. Good thank you. To oh, thanks, thanks Martin. Thank you. Uh, 1800 938 007. By the way, if you think I'm sniffling and stuff this morning, I am. It's a touch of the old man flu. So apologies for the old voice, but we'll see if we can make it till twelve o'clock. You see, um, news and information
0: is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 Garage or ie.
1: Welcome along to the second hour of Tip Today. I was telling you a while ago about the Thomas McDonough Hedge School, and it's up and running at this point. It's uh, running right through until the 24th and it's happening at the Thomas McDonough Museum in Clock Jordan and the curator is a great friend of the show, the poet and writer Elner Hooker, so well done to Sadie Comerford from Ross Grey, who won the pair of tickets to that and I'm sure you'll enjoy it Sadie and thank you eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. 938 007 a says, my son has special needs and has sight issues uh, presently he's not a wheelchair user but uh, he has issues with bars, for example, putting out windbreakers around their premises. And uh, some of the other businesses in the town as well, causing issue for my son's uh, mobility. And also, not every disability is seen, and especially at Super Value in Cashel, we have often parked in the disability spaces. We have our disc displayed, and we're constantly getting harassed by other disc holders uh, that we are parking illegally. So it can go both ways, this is one of our listeners. Now, the erection of a mock gallows, that's a uh, far-right protest outside Leinster House on Wednesday, is being investigated as a potential criminal offence. The gallows, as you know at this point, was covered with images of political figures, including the Taoiseach and the Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou MacDonald, and uh, the Gardaí are confident that they know who set up and transported the gallows, and the file will be prepared for the DPP media commentator and editor of Gripped, John McGurk, uh, joins me now. John, good morning to you.
8: Good morning, friends Thanks uh, for having
1: me on. Uh, thank you for coming on with us this morning. Would you just remind us about Gripped Media, John, and what you're trying to achieve as a media platform?
8: Well, we set it up because basically on a lot of these issues, some of which were I think the elements of the protest the other day, although we would never condone what happened the mm. other day, but a lot of these issues ranging from sort of Immigration to the new sex education curriculum that's happening in schools, to uh, climate change policies, to a whole range of issues. There is the Irish media tends to speak with one voice all of the time, um, and so you see, for example, around the country, to, um, around the country, to use the immigration issue as the topical one this week as an example. Yes. In salons yesterday, in in, in it, you, you you pick a rural town in Ireland, you could find one where there are local people very very upset about. Uh, what's happening to uh, in their communities, um, and the the, the the national mainstream media we felt was not giving those people a voice in any way, shape, or form. So what we did was we we registered with the Press Council of Ireland. We're a fully accredited media outlet, but our mission is very much to discuss in a mature and reasonable way the uh, the issues which the, the the rest of the national media tend to want to avoid. Um, and so that's that's we have grown in four years from almost nothing to. Uh, over a quarter of a million readers a week. And John, so, uh,
1: I, pr- I presume that you've thought about this in great detail. And why are mainstream media avoiding these issues and having that single narrative?
8: I think there's a sense. I was listening to Joe Brawley on Newstalk yesterday who was yeah. trying to blame um, sort of people like Sharon Keoghan, and indeed and, indeed, us for the disgraceful scenes at the dawn on Wednesday. And I think there is this sense in the national media that if you talk about these issues, you're some way aligning, or embold- aligning yourselves with or emboldening mm. the kind of people who hang politicians in effigy from the gallows. But actually, I would argue it's the other way around. When the, when the rest of us, the sort of moderately sensible people, don't discuss these issues in, in an open way, it's, that's where the conversation goes. These are the kind of people who are empowered because there's a political vacuum created. Um, and I think it's, I think I think that, that that's the. You why the media tend to shy away from discussing topics like that. I think it's because of this fear that if they go down and say to a, a protester in, in Listun Varna um, who's worried about the, the demographic transformation of their town over the last two years uh, and give that person a voice, I think they'll be accused of platforming the inverted commas far right. And I think that's yeah. that's really toxic. I, and I think it ends up with people feeling. That the only people who are speaking for them are the absolute extremists who want to hang politicians from gallows, and I think that's really unhealthy.
1: And and that is the big issue, isn't it? Um, and of course, that, that branding people as well as racist or as conspiracy theorists and all of that—that that certainly doesn't help a healthy conversation.
8: No, it doesn't, and and it's something that we see a lot of. Um, you know, this, I think, in, you know, I. One of the things that I've discovered over the last couple of years is the number of people who come up to you um, when you do the the work that I do and people, they they say, I agree with you, but I'm kind of afraid to say it or I don't have the words to express it. Um, And it's not just, I don't want to sound like I'm waffling on with immigration. Immigration is one issue. But the, the farming community, for example, there are so many people out there who look around the world, who see the massive expansion of Chinese industry, who see a United States that has no intention... Of breaking its back to fix the climate, who see the UK the other day rolling back actually on their net zero commitments, who are asking, why, why why are our farms being put under huge pressure to fix 0.01% of the global problem when no one else is pulling their weight? Why is this suddenly so urgent here in Ireland? And I mean, there there there, there are lots of issues like that where people really I don't think feel they either have a voice or feel that if they use their voice they'll be shouted down and called climate change deniers or racist or trans or something folks, you know, and, and I think that's that's really toxic. And I think ultimately, if that is allowed to persist, and we don't have these, if we don't allow people to speak up and say, actually, I disagree with what's happening in, in the country in a range of respects, there will be trouble down the line. Um, and we saw some trouble the other day. And I think it was awful. And I hope it's an isolated incident. But if you continue to allow all this to bottle up, I fear history shows us it won't be an an isolated incident.
1: And do you think, and I mean, I got got into trouble myself for saying this, Do, do you think we should discuss what happened the other day with a more open mind rather than blaming people and calling them scumbags and lowlifes and all of this kind of thing? I mean, should we not try to discover... Why they ended up where they did, and what that was about. Now, as I say, I'm, I'm at pains to add to what you said. It was disgraceful. It should never have happened. Um, but we need to examine it, do we not?
8: I think there's, I think there's, there's a strong element of truth in what you're saying. I mean, clearly these people are very, very, very angry, and I think they're angry about. I don't think that yes, the protest on Wednesday was about one issue. I think. Yeah, some of it goes back to the COVID lockdowns. People yes. who felt that the country, the people who felt the country was locked down for two years, unnecessarily and with little benefit, and who who, who wonder about, um, who, who wonder about the consequences of that. There, there. Some of them are concerned about, um, the, the, you know, the perception of the hate speech bill being shutting down their right to free yeah. speech and so on and so forth. But I think more to it than that. I, I, I was speaking at a conference about free speech last again, and I said there's a sense in the country at the moment that the, the people who are in charge, the government, and, the, and not just the government, but the sort of the lobby groups and the NGOs and the media, they just don't really like the public very much. They're constantly trying to fix us in some way. There's a, a new, there's a you're drinking too much. There's a new law regulating alcohol. You drive too fast, new speed limits. You're ruining the environment, new taxes. You say the wrong things, new hate speech bill. All the efforts seem to be, rather on fixing the problems in the country, fixing the people in the country. And I think that is sort of the overarching reason for a lot of the discontent, This sense that the people in government don't trust the people they're ruling over and would like to fix them a little bit. Um, and so I think when you when you look at the, the protest the other day, I think ultimately it's all of that boiling up. But I also want to say, I think there's some bad actors there. I think there are some people there who are, I mean, I think far right is an insult that's thrown around far too much. But I do think there were some genuinely... Individualistically far right people there, um, and I think it's very important. That's why I, I, I say if we don't talk of these issues in a mature way, the worst voices in the room will take over the conversation.
1: Within the government as well, John. I mean, th- there seems to be some diverse opinions. Um, for instance, I was taken by Ben Scallon's uh, interview with the former justice minister Charlie Flanagan. Um, if can I can you indulge me for a moment? I just want to play a few seconds of this. Um, he was uh, he was asked. Um, what is a woman? And this is what Charlie Flanagan had to say to
7: Ben. Well, I mean, I see a woman uh, as an adult female human being. Um, and, you know, I don't make any apologies for, uh, for thinking that or indeed for saying that. Uh, but I don't like a trend in recent times of people fueling um, a culture war uh, in Ireland. And I think we need to ensure that we have an element of balance here. Uh, and I, I, I uh, you know, I perhaps uh, take the view that maybe people of a minority uh, are sometimes more vocally represented in the media uh, than should be the case. Uh, and I get a strong message here from rural people uh, as to uh, the, the place on the political spectrum uh, where Fine Gael and my party should be uh, and the issues that we should be dealing with. Now, John, why wasn't that all over headlines
1: everywhere? That that's incredibly outspoken, and it also uh, makes me realise that I mean, how much at odds he would be with the current justice minister Helen McEntee, for example.
8: Yeah, I, 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 th- I mean that's why we 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 interviewed him. There was headlines everywhere. Was obviously our, our 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 biggest headline last week was was one of them was was, was that interview with Charlie Fannigan, um, and again I think there's this sense in the in the I, like. Journalists go to the same press conferences that, that my reporters do. They see the questions we ask. They see the answers that we, we either get or don't get, and they, they don't follow up. And I think there's this fear that that you know that in somehow you're 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 appealing to you're pandering in inverted commas to the to the wrong kind of element in inverted commas in society. That when Charlie Flanagan says, "Of course, a woman is an adult human female," he's he's in some way he's in some way pandering to extremists, which I think is, is I, mean, I haven't seen polling on it, but I'm guessing Charlie Flanagan's view is the view of 70 to 80, probably higher percentage of people in the country. Um, and I just think perspective has been lost on this. I mean, if you watch any RTE program any night of the week discussing current affairs, almost anything that they don't like uh, or they disapprove of now is being defined as far right. I mean, the, the term the term has lost all meaning. Um, but, but at the same time, there's this huge fear of it. I don't know. I can't speak for why other people didn't report Charlie Flanagan's comments. Uh, you're doing it now, which is good, um, and I, I hopefully a couple of other people will. But yeah, I think it's it's indicative of the kind of problem I'm talking about, where very reasonable mainstream conversations are being suppressed because of this horrible perception that, in some way, they're 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 you know, if you hear them at home, if you're a listener to this radio, that that a conversation like the one we're having, Fran, or something like that, what Charlie Flanagan said, might suddenly turn you into a far right person who wants to hang people from gallows. And I think that again is indicative of the lack of trust the establishment has in the people, what I was saying a few moments ago about how they constantly want to fix us and make sure we don't hear the wrong things because if we do hear the wrong things, we might suddenly all go mad. I think that's the, that's I've, the sense.
1: I've watched um, several of the interviews on gripped uh, over the last while and there is a tendency, John, for politicians when they're confronted by one of your journalists to kind of throw their eyes up to heaven, to grimace as if to say, oh, here we go again now. Um mm-hmm. Would you go along with that? Is that fair? Fair speak?
8: Yeah, there is. I mean, I think that's fair enough in one respect. Politicians don't like being asked hard questions, and I found over the years with, with Irish Irish journalists in particular that there's a tendency to. I mean, if at the height of Brexit, if Boris Johnson had come to town, for example, and put himself in front of a press conference in front of the Dublin media, they'd have torn him to shreds. But when it's their own politicians. I mean, when was the last time you saw an Irish politician properly grilled by a journalist in this country, a national journalist, who wasn't Vincent Brown? It doesn't really happen. Um, And I I think they're kind of used to answering questions from the Irish Times and and the Examiner and all the other outlets that are kind of about process. You know, the questions they get are, Minister, will you have the votes to pass this bill? Or Minister, will this tax relief in the budget extend to this other group as well as the group you mentioned? But they very rarely get questions about, is what you are doing a good idea? Is what you are doing actually affecting the country in a positive way? Is it a good idea to uh, restrict, restrict people's rights to protest in particular areas? Is it a good idea to restrict their right to free speech? Is it a good idea to ban people uh, from heating their homes in the winter by jacking up the taxes on home heating oil? They don't get those kind of questions. They tend to just get process questions, and I think they're so not used to them that they react badly to them in some
1: respects. Well, the tarnished to me, all Martin reacted very badly to me last week on on this programme. I was talking about the HSE. I was talking about the plight of people in UHL, for instance, and he said I was constantly putting out uh, negative news about the health service, but I pointed out to him, I mean, that's all we hear here on the programme is negative experiences of the health service, but he took umbrage to it, you know?
8: I uh, sent you, well, I had the similar experience last week because last week the HSE issued a public tender for food for Irish hospitals and it's for 50 million euros and that 50 million euro is tied to the supplier must ensure that the food in the hospitals is as plant-based as possible, that it's as carbon neutral as possible and there's an extra bonus in the contract if you deliver people food. Um, in electric van, that's a contract that's been put out to tender for the wow. by the health services. And I said to the, I said to the Department of Health, I said, "We have an example just this week where there's a child um, who's been waiting on spinal surgery for five years. Why are you spending extra money allocated to health on paying people extra money to have electric vans?" And I got no answer, and I got no response. And I think that that you know, the, and then you know, you have people like me, John Martin, saying, "Oh, it's all negativity." I mean, I have never found anyone who has gone into one of the major hospitals, A and E departments, not the whole hospital, but the A and E departments in a lot of our major hospitals, you very rarely find somebody who goes in there and comes out with a positive experience. It's not the media's job to tell the public how what a great job the government is doing. It's our job, I, I think, to challenge the people in power who have power over us and say why are you doing this and why are you not doing that. Our job is to is our job as the media is to be the go between between the public and the politicians. And I think a lot of journalists kind of see their job as to be almost spokespeople for what's happening in government rather than spokespeople for the people annoyed about what's going on.
1: It doesn't look like any of this is going to change in the near future. So are we going to see more of those actors that you're, you're making reference to there, those with, you know, like sinister motives and all of that? Will they be playing more and more of an active role, do you think, in, in coming months and, and years because of this?
8: Well, I mean, I, I hope not, because I would hope they, they would have seen that on Wednesday what damage they did to their own cause. I mean, the Minister McEntee has been spending months and months really struggling to articulate a rationale for the hate speech bill she wants to bring in. And then these very foolish people go to Dublin and give her a better case for it in two hours than she'd made in six months. So I hope that we wouldn't see more of that. But I fear... That we will, because there are an awful lot of communities in this country, particularly in working class areas, particularly those affected. Um, because I mean, you find it's a this is a simple statement of fact that when it comes to the, um, the the placement of refugees in the country, they've tended to go disproportionately into working class areas, both in the cities and to poorer rural towns. And those communities, there is a well of frustration building up there. And I, I I do think we're going to see more angry scenes, unfortunately, over the coming years. Um, but. That, if we don't talk about it, we'll definitely see it. I mean, I think there's time. It's time for a, a national conversation that says enough of the political correctness, enough of the, enough of the the, the the sort of the fear to have these conversations. Let's let's have people say what they think about it openly and honestly. And you know, if you, if you're the government and you can't face that conversation and you can't defend uh, against people's open and honest views that their community is being overburdened, or that this shouldn't be taught in their schools, or that you know the climate change policies are entirely disproportionate well then quit let somebody else do it uh, and, but the idea that this conversation should be depressed de, 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 sorry, suppressed and called far right I think it's really unhelpful and it's really bad for democracy.
1: John we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks very much indeed thank you. Good morning to you John. Bye Thanks know That's uh, John McGurk there of Gripped Media uh, speaking to us this morning. How do you feel about that? Um, okay lots coming into us on it. I'll have a glance through it and I'll bring it to you in just a few
0: moments. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
1: Great friend of the show, Bonnie Hayes, joins me now. Bonnie, good morning to you.
9: Morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm well, Bonnie. How are things at Lovely Clock, Jordan? Ah, sure they all still, still standing Fran, anyway. Well, I'm I'm delighted to hear it indeed.
1: You were listening to the various discussions around what happened on Wednesday the protest. What what are you making of what happened to Bonnie?
9: Well, uh, to say from the outset friend, I I certainly wouldn't agree with the the form of protest that went on there. But we've been we've been so quiet for so long friend, it's it's time to to start doing so. I don't think they're listening. I don't think the government and ministers are listening to the people. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's an election down the line. There's local elections next year and probably maybe a general election to follow year after, if not sooner. But um, they, they may start listening. By then, they'll have to. Um, you know, they're, they're not they're not in tune with, with, with the people, I think. And people is frustrating people enough. that are talking to people who wouldn't be into protests and all that. But a lot of people are very annoyed and not happy the way the way things are.
1: And as you say, nobody agrees with the manner, as you described it, of no, that, no, no, that, that protest uh, the not. other day. But it, it, does it illustrate, do you think, Bonnie, that there is discontent out there? People are angry. People are... Oh,
9: they are, Fran. I mean, yeah. you know, I listened to listen to several different ministers talking on the radio, you know, and I, I think I said it in the comment uh, on social media, that they seem to be totally out of their depth. You know they're whistling an awful lot. Um, I mean, you take the the justice minister at the moment, the way things are with the Gardy and everything. Mm. You mean Gardy aren't happy, and you can see why. Uh, Catherine Martin with the RTE issues. You know um, mm. Charlie McConnell with with agriculture. I mean, you the know. health
1: the health minister is away. He he wouldn't uh, even come back yeah. after that scandal broke in the children's hospital. I mean, really.
9: Absolutely. Uh, you have the housing minister. We all know the situation with housing and yeah. and that. And those are guys, you know, and less, but no, as I said, no me, ne, least, the, the health minister. Mm. Like, oh, God, I'm sure, you know, we fear heard Conner, Conor our friend there, on so many times about what's going on in Numeric. No improvement. And the thing about the health situation is, and I, I've said this before, our own TDs in Northbury, the silence is different from them. And I can't understand this. I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. And why do
1: you think that is the case,
9: Bonnie? I, I don't really know, Fran. Mm. I really don't know. I mean, it's an opportunity for some of them to seriously try and, and, and get their teeth into it and get something mm. done about it, but it doesn't seem to be happening for some reason.
1: And you think it may be because they're looking at this with all of their experience and they say, there's no fixing of this, you know?
9: That's... But there has to be a fixing, Fran. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, talking about Limerick, I mean, that's you know about health and safety and all these issues and I heard Jimmy Morris, and he said, right, saying the same thing. Mm. Uh, if you and I behaved, and we ran an event, and you had people cluttered at the door, and you couldn't get people you couldn't get in or out, you wouldn't be allowed to hold the event. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean?
1: For health and safety and fire rules and all of that. Yes,
9: yeah. exactly. I mean, yeah. you know that now situation, and you can't have any kind of event now unless all that is cleared yeah. and how insurance. How is it? How is that happening? What's hap- What? How is that allowed to happen in there? That you can't Fire make your officers, way. You what?
1: can't make your way up a up a corridor
9: properly because. No, I seen it. Pay- you 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 turn you turn sideways to, to get uh, by beds and and God help the staff that's working there. That's, I I feel so sorry going in every day to that. What an environment to be in. And this is all. I mean, nothing happening. No improvement. Nothing happening. Waffled our way through it.
1: And I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to John, who was speaking to me just before you there. Um, I didn't, um, friend. No, no. Yeah, but he he was talking about the single narrative that's out there that you're not really allowed to question things in detail, or you're branded as being racist, or yeah. you're branded as being a conspiracy theorist, or something, you know. But there's no genuine conversations. No,
9: no, no, no. There's no, there's no link up there with the, the with the people. There's no, there's no link of it. I I don't know. I don't know where these. I really don't know where we're going. I'm, you know, friend. I've voted all my life, and I have always appreciated and the people who fought to, to to get us to where we are many, many years ago. And you know, sometimes I think, will I bother my, barney, going from here into Clock Garden to, to cast me vote for what? 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 What difference is it going to make? You know, this I'm disillusioned by it all. To be honest, man.
1: Isn't that terrible? Because you're you're a person who would have you know kept a tight eye on politics over the years, Bonnie, I know, I'm and a fan would have been I'm interested in what's going on. Yeah,
9: I'd be a, I'd be what I'd call a floating voter fan. Yeah. I've, I've given them all votes from time to time, and it doesn't seem to make an awful lot of difference. Then, you know, I, I can go back to TDs years ago. There were different there were different types of people. I, I don't know what I don't know what's going on now. I just as I said, I'm disillusioned with them all across the board, to be honest with you, and I'll be telling them that when, when that time comes, to be honest
1: with you. And what about the alternative? And it looks like there's a great possibility now Sinn Féin might lead um, the next government, but Jamie Morris, former Sinn Féin councillor, said to me that he, you know, he's concerned that, you know, they're even moving centre now, so that they'll appeal to, to more people, so it's...
9: Yeah, see, this is the thing, friend, so Is it an know,
1: alternative, you'd ask yourself at this point? Is it
9: you know? an alternative, yeah. They will probably get one crack at it here and, and see see what they can do in, in, in four years. Um, yeah. And, of course, they'll have to get into bed with somebody else and well, who that's that the may point, be, isn't it? Yeah. You know, who that may be is another question. I don't know. You know, some people, Michal Martin has been throwing out a few sound bites there about different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's sad when you think that, that there isn't an alternative, really. You know what I mean? it's there's not an alternative uh, yeah. for us, for us, for us voters to we we like you take been a Fine Gael, you know, it have been in government for many, many, many years with one or the maybe with Labour or someone else. You know what I mean? Mm. And, yeah. and making up a government, and I think things have got worse. I really do. I really do. I think things, as I said, whether it be justice, agriculture, housing, health. And still, still,
1: to, still, Pony, we have more money than we ever had in terms of in the government's coffers with all the corporation tax, you know?
9: We have, seen, we have, yeah. But then, friend, you know better than I do, there's an awful lot, there's an awful lot, an awful lot of waste. I suppose when you're, you know, if you're not spending your own money, you're spending someone else's money, you know, you can, there'll be more coming from where that came from. Yeah. You know, it's, it's,
1: and just, many people making that point to us that, you know, some of the politicians, they seem removed from the reality of day-to-day life. But
9: they they are, Fran. I think they are too. And I I'm, I'm, I wouldn't pick an anyone or any, any, any party for that, but they are. Yeah. But I think, Fran, if you became elected in there and you went to all and you win with the best intentions in the world of trying to change something, yeah. whether it be an independent or a party. You have to throw the line. There is no... That's the way it's done. That's the way... It, to me, I, it seems to me, you just throw the line, toward the party line or whatever, and that's it. You but know? that must
1: be soul-destroying. I mean, if... Oh, of
9: course if you, if, you be, if you had you the
1: best of intentions, Bond... Yeah, you know?
9: going in there, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, has, it has to be. Um, oh, yeah. You'd it, 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 it be disillusioned by it all, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, where where is it all going to end, do you think, Bonnie?
9: That's a good good question, Fran. I wish I had the answer to it. I I mean, you're
1: in the midst of rural Ireland there, for example, Bonnie, you know, and a lot of what people would see as a tax on rural Ireland over the last couple of decades, you know?
9: Yeah, and, I mean, when you talk about tax, I mean, you know, when we were in trouble and the new West and everything, now they're talking about removing some of that, or I'm not sure of it, Uh, that has been around a long time. You see, Fran, the sad thing about it is we didn't seem to learn an awful lot from the crash in when we lost 2008, 2010, around that time. Yeah. Uh, we had the Celtic Tiger, and we had all that, and some good came out of that, like infrastructure for roads, and I that was good, and a lot of money went into that. But then we had the crash, and we started to come, we made our way back up again, and we seem to be doing our employment is high, unemployment is very low. We still don't seem to have learned. Well, of course, when apart from government, I mean, greed is a terrible thing, and greed is a lot of the problem, too, you know. All
1: right, Bonnie, it's, just, it's great to, uh, to talk to you. Are you part of what's happening, by the way, in the Thomas McDonough Centre uh, this weekend? No, I'm no, not,
9: Fran. I'm not. I'm, hmm. taking, I'm taking a little break from <laughs> a few things, you
1: know. Well, rightly <laughs> so. Rightly so, too. But I, I know it's going to be a great occasion there, anyway. Bonnie, lovely to talk to you, and thank you very much indeed. Thank you.
9: Thank you, Frank. Good, Goodbye to good you.
1: morning to you. That's our great friend uh, Bonnie Hayes there in lovely uh, Clock Jordan. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. <laughs>
10: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on
1: 1-800-938-007. Tomorrow night, uh, there will be a fundraiser in the Carrick Hotel Carrick & in aid of St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin, where last year Sandra Collins had a liver transplant that saved her life. Uh, she wants to give back uh, for the wonderful gift that she has received and to make people aware. Of the gift of organ donation. And uh, I'm delighted to say that she joins me online now. Sandra, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm I'm very well. But more importantly, how are you, Sandra? Are you all right?
11: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good at the moment. Thanks very much.
1: Delighted to hear it. Will you tell me when you first discovered that you had issues with your liver, Sandra?
11: Um, It was about 15 years ago. Um, I was around about 20 and I had these symptoms like I was scratching and itching constantly. And um, I was fatigued and I wasn't eating. So I had to go off to the doctors and have blood taken and they found an abnormality in my blood. So they did a lot of tests then down in the hospital and um, did a liver biopsy and everything like that. And they came back and they told me that I had an autoimmune disease.
1: Which, which so, means what exactly, Sandra?
11: Which means, basically, you know when you get a cold, like your hmm. white blood cells are like attacking your, your body? Yes. So, like, what the white blood cells were doing was attacking my liver. So, like, they were killing off my liver and they gave me, like, cirrhosis in the liver as well. Like, So they were killing it off, basically.
1: And what prognosis did they give you at the time then, Sandra?
11: At the time, like, everything was, like, because they put me on medication hmm. and, like... Everything was good when I was taking the medication and stuff like that. Um, I was referred then to St Vincent's Hospital. I was diagnosed in Waterford, and then I was uh, brought off to St Vincent's, and they've been looking after me ever since. And um, like, as long as I took the medication, everything was good. Mm. But of course, like when you're when you're young, I was only twenty years of age, and like mentally, like it was very exhausting. So I ended up, like myself, I was taking the tablets on and off. So um, it progressed then to I got fluid on my stomach and that had to be drained like about five times um, within the space of like I think a year. So then they put me on the transplant list. But as I said, like I suffer mentally as well. So I was put on and off the list because it was very hard. You know, Uh, being honest.
1: Of course, and the anxiety and the depression, Sandra, is that due to the fact that you have those issues that you spoke of? No, 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 like yeah, uh,
11: yeah, it is. Yeah, like I've always been very anxious and a very worried person. Like so, like they were way separate before I even found out I had liver problems. But when I found that out, they just they went even higher. Like so, they did.
1: How did you discover and when and where did you discover that there were major issues with your liver?
11: So, last year, I got married in September last year. Um, We had a great wedding. Um, So, basically, me and my husband, John, we went on our honeymoon. Um, We were in Croatia. We were about to fly to Rome. And we are in the airport and they rang me and basically told me that my... um, My tumour markers in my liver, the bloods were really high. So basically, there was a tumour on my liver.
1: Wow, and you on your honeymoon?
11: Yeah, yeah. We were just about to fly to Rome. We did, when we got to Rome, we did try to see if we could come home, but it was just way too expensive Yes. for us to get back. So we were home that weekend, and that Monday, I had to be brought up to the hospital and have a thing called a taste test done where they um, put the chemotherapy straight into the tumour and tried to kill it off. So they ended up coming back to me and told me that there was two veins feeding the tumour, so I had to have another one done then a month later.
1: And that, that must have been so profound on you, your, your health, both your mental health and your physical health. Was it? Uh, it did it take its toll it, on it, you?
11: It was a shock. It was yeah. a shock. So it was like, it was a very big shock. Like um like the hospital I cannot I cannot say any more about the hospital. They were absolutely amazing. The doctors up there are just amazing, right? Like, yes. Because I think it was like a month later and they rang me and they told me that they had a liver for me. You know, it was it was so quick, like 'cause myself I was trying to get prepared. I thought I'd be waiting like six months Yes, of course. for a phone call for a liver, like
1: And what but was it, it like to get that phone call, Sandra?
11: It was it was daunting, very daunting. Was
1: it,
11: yeah? Yeah, my mum and dad and uncle and aunt were supposed to go to England the following day and unfortunately they couldn't go. I was in the car coming back out from Carrick and Shore and I got the phone call and I tapped my mum on the shoulder. She was just about to get out of the car and I said, we're not going to England.
1: <laughs> yes, we have more important so things to do.
11: Yeah, yeah, like I literally had to get to Dublin that day
1: so and I it, it, the big issue then is to see if it's a perfect match, Sandra. Is that?
11: Yeah, that's that's the thing. You like, you had to go. I had to go up that day. I had to ring John and work and tell him to get home, and I had to like literally put loads of stuff in a bag, get up to the hospital because they had to do like blood tests to make sure that I wasn't sick and make sure I didn't have COVID and all that mm. kind of stuff. And um, they had to go then and see if it was the liver viable. Yes. For me to be able to put it, for them to be able to transplant it. So it was like half ten that night um, in the hospital and they rang me and they said, yeah, we're going ahead. with the operation delivery is perfect. Oh,
1: fantastic.
11: Yeah. Fantastic. So it was like, I think they brought me, my mom and dad and John had to come back to the hospital. I think they came back at around about half three because I was being brought down at half four to have the operation done.
1: And were you still anxious or were you absolutely delighted at that point that it was a new piece of life, Sandra?
11: Very anxious, very, very anxious.
1: Yes, because it's a huge so, operation, uh, isn't it?
11: Yes, it is, massive. Like, I was in I was in the, uh, hot, the room for nine hours. Wow. Like, I know it was a big thing for me going in there, but I can't, I can't imagine what my family was going through because, like, they're on the other end of the phone waiting because they had to open me up first to see if my cancer had spread. And if that had spread, they wouldn't have been able to do the transplant. Good God. Yeah. Good God. Yeah, so, like, I can't imagine what my family were going through at that time either, like, because I'd say it was, like, I was having a little wobble all right on the table, but once that was over and done with, they put me to sleep, like, so my family were waiting for that call. My husband was waiting for that call to see... Whether it was going to happen
1: or not, and happily it did happen it I- did. indeed. What, what about recovery time then? After such a, a you know, a nine-hour operation for God's sake. What, what? Yeah, you were
11: basically you're in the ICU. Like they tend to like you to be only in the ICU for about twenty-four hours. I was there for forty-eight hours because I think there was a a few complications trying to get the liver out and stuff like that, and I was jaundiced as well. And yes. um, my, li- my blood were playing havoc. So um, once you're out of the ICU, you're brought up to St. Bridget's Ward, which, as I said, they're absolutely amazing. So yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, You're up there, and as I said, it all depends on your age as well and how fast you recover. And, like, again, as I will bring up, like, the whole mental part of it, like, was very hard like the, I was going to phys- ask you
1: that, Sandra. Did yeah. did the anxiety and the, the depression yeah, issues did, did did they yeah. emerge again? Yeah. Oh
11: God, yeah. they did. Yeah. Like the physical part, I I could do It was fine. It was just basically the mental part. Like I actually had to get my mum to come off to Dublin, and she had to stay in Dublin with us, with me. Like so, I had someone close around because, like, I I live in Pilltown. Yes. Dublin is like a nearly two-hour drive. So it's very hard, like, when you're on your own up there. And it it messes with your mind.
1: I'm sure it does. How long did it take you to get back on your feet then?
11: They left me home after two weeks. They didn't want to, but they left me home after two weeks. But once you're left home, you have to go up there every week to have your blood checked. You're on this anti-rejection drug called Prograf. So they have to check your... They were function, bloods, and everything like that, and then they have to check the progress as well to see if it's working. So, like, you have to be up there like every week for the first. I think it was for the first for the first month. You have to be up there, and then so on and so forth.
1: But it it it, it. it was very successful, though, Sandra, wasn't it? It was. It
11: yeah. was. It was like I am absolutely like. I'm flying now, so hmm. I am. And will,
1: will you tell us the other bit of good news as well?
11: Yeah, I'm expecting my first baby, so I am. <laughs> oh,
1: many, many congratulations <laughs>
11: Thank you me. very much. Yeah. It was an absolute shock, though so it was. But, yeah, she's yeah. she's thriving inside, so she is. So, yeah. Isn't that
1: great? great. And, and how careful have you to be with a recently transplanted liver, Sandra, and a pregnancy as well? Is it, you know?
11: Um, yeah, I suppose you do have to be some way careful. Yeah. You know, you try not to be, you do be, like, I'd be a little bit apprehensive, like, trying not to be in a big crowd and stuff like that. Yes. But, like, then again, you have to live your life as well.
1: Of course you, you know, have, indeed. You try,
11: you try your best to live your life. Like, I take all precautions. I get all my, like, shots that I need to get done. And, like, if I think there's someone sick, I won't go near them.
1: All right. So you're very particular but, and you're very careful yeah,
11: about it. Yeah, is, yeah,
1: And And when is the baby due?
11: The baby's due on the third of December. Oh,
1: fantastic! So it's uh, yeah. just yeah, yeah, year down the yeah. line essentially. To... Yeah,
11: it's been a whirlwind. So it has. It's been, it's been, it's been, it's been amazing. Like it's been a roller coaster.
1: Yeah. So and so do you feel, Sandra, that you have a new lease of life now? I know that there's still some of the anxiety issues and depression issues, but do you feel that you have a new lease of life now with the baby and with the new liver and
11: Oh, God, yeah, like, like, we thought, like, that, because, um, like, going, going back, like, they told me that I couldn't get pregnant, so I wasn't allowed because of the old liver, so, like, finding out in March that we were expecting our first baby, I think the two of us were absolutely flabber- flabbergasted, we didn't know what to do, so it was, but, um, yeah, like, it's it's amazing, like, having a new liver and expecting a new baby, it's just, oh, it's good. surreal,
1: isn't it brilliant news on and yeah. God knows we need plenty of good news. And um, it's interesting that you talk so beautifully about uh, St Vincent's and you know a lot of times particularly on this program we're hammering the health services and stuff but yeah you know yeah. In, in this case your experience was pretty amazing wasn't oh,
11: it Oh yeah it was phenomenal like I can't I can't like say enough about the hospital because they're absolutely amazing this is why we're doing the fundraiser yes. for them because it's it's not it's lovely to give back and it's such a major operation as well to get, and you know, it's it's just they deserve to have something to do to give back, like you know.
1: Of course. So do, do you know anything about your don- donor, uh, Sandra? Do You know
11: anything? I do. Yeah, he was um, a man in his late sixties. Um, he died of a brain bleed, and um, his brother gave consent to um, have his liver donated. My God. Yeah. So, that's, and, that's all. Like, yeah. you don't find out anything else. That's all you find out.
1: Of course, but you're very grateful to the family, I, I'm sure. Oh,
11: what what do you say
1: to people out there where organ donation is concerned, Sandra?
11: Definitely, you need you need to talk about it. Yeah. Like, I don't think many people do talk about it. Yeah. Um, but people do need to sit down and let their families know, like, if you want to be a do, an organ donation. Yeah. You know, so it is, like, it, it needs to happen.
1: Because it's a lifesaver for, for people like yourself. Tell me, about, tell me about the fundraiser, Sandra. What can people expect tomorrow night at the Carrick
11: Hotel? So the fundraiser is on at 9 o'clock in the Carrick. Um, Carrig Bro will be playing. Um, my continent, cousin Anthony will be playing as well. Um, there's going to be a um, raffle. There's going to be a bit of food. Um, it's going to be a good crack. There's going mm. to be an auction as well of um, the Tipperary, the Tipperary Kilkenny and Waterford jersey. Brilliant. So there is. So, um, it, yeah, it should be a good crack. I'm hoping.
1: I'm sure it will be, and everybody's yeah. welcome along. What what time is that oh kicking God, off? Yeah. Or, did you say to me? Nine nine, nine o'clock. o'clock. Okay.
11: Yeah, yeah. So it is. So like everyone, it, everyone is welcome.
1: So they are. Okay. Well, it's, it
11: should be.
1: It's been. I'm hoping
11: it's going to be the, uh, a good crack anyway.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Indeed, boy, has it been a roller coaster over 12 months for you though, hasn't it?
11: It has. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like it's been. As I keep saying, like it's been surreal. Yeah, it's been just like me and my husband. We celebrated our first year anniversary there not too long ago, and we were literally just talking about what is literally after happening, and we still can't, we still can't get over it.
1: Well, Sandra, I'm absolutely delighted for you and for your family as well, and it's great news. And everybody should attend tomorrow night because, yeah. as you say, Please. fundraising is so important to the likes of St. Vincent's. and uh, stuff. It is, yeah. All right, Sandra, great to talk to you and look after yourself. Thank you, thank you, you. you Sandra Collins, speaking to us there about her story um, as the recipient of uh, a liver. Isn't it an amazing story? Isn't it? And then the little baby as well, just to cap it all off. Fran, Paul McCarthy here, uh, Gripped Media. I was speaking to John McGurk from Gripped Media just a while ago. Uh, Paul says Gripped Media are much needed as a foil for a media running scared of lobby groups and NGOs and acolytes. And if you read and listen only to those you agree with, then you will never close to get close. That should be uh, to solving issues such as those that are tinsel wrapped by a servile media. Something Rupert Murdoch understands, says Paul. Well, thank you for that, Paul. Oh, 311 three, three, double one, double three, double one. All right, we'll take a break. News and information is coming up very soon.
0: Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Puck On You can't beat experience With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
1: Welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today It is time for our Friday panel and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Mark Small. Mark is a naval architect and a mediator. Connor O'Brien is with us, finance professional, and our own Phil Prendergast with us as well, former MEP. Uh, midwife, nurse, and our agony aunt, which is the most important thing of the whole lot. <laughs> Good morning to you all. Good, thanks morning. Good morning, for Coming into us today, I hardly know where to start. This has been so much this week. We've been covering Wednesday's scenes outside of the Doyle, where a number of TDs were verbally abused and jostled, as they say. Uh, many speaking on this say it signifies a worrying precipice in Irish society amid growing anger on issues like housing, hate speech, sex education, and health. And is there anything that can be done to quell the? Anger. First of all, though, an overview, Phil. Uh, what did you make of it? a couple of hundred people? I think there outside. Yeah, of the
12: it's it's quite it's quite an opening of the ante. You know, normally there would have been a bit of some bit of decorum around Leinster House. Um, there's always a guard on duty outside it. Um, people, I suppose, are so maddened and they're so. I don't know. Are they just gone? Kind of insulated from what how intimidating it is for somebody that's there elected legally representing th- their constituents or doing their best and they get abused and th- having the gallows and things like that. I mean, th- it kind of crosses the line. It's like, mm. it's a, it's a kind of a step too it far. It was a
1: new level of anger, wasn't it? A, a new, new level. level of... And I,
12: I suppose, you know, when you get that undercurrent, I think it's really important to mm. see why why is this changing why it, and and because behaviors beget behaviors as well mm. and if they get away with it once and they start hitting somebody or stoning the car and when they're coming out and that it's it's going to become quite difficult uh for and people. and does
1: that worry you that it's a you're, you're no stranger to, to this of course Phil oh, I mean during it? your time as an meP you you were
12: and so this isn't
1: all that recent in terms of reaction to it's, politicians. It's
12: not, but I i think, I, I honestly don't know why that man did that, but he obviously wasn't a Labour fan, mm. and I was with the Labour Party at the time. Mm. But um, it certainly... It certainly was an occasion that I was very unhappy about because I had to go to the doctor. I had to get bloods done. I had to do all that because you have to take precautions that somebody hasn't put one of their body fluids into, into your me, eye. Of course, you know. Yeah.
1: Did that change things for you? Do you mind my asking?
12: It. Cha- do you know what was? Terrific. The guards were terrific. Um yeah. I had to make a formal complaint, and the the guard in Toker, he's I think he's a sergeant now. Really, really nice guy, really, Mm. really helpful. And he said, I'll also be talking to the guardian Clonmel about this because I had, when I I had also had like feces in an envelope put into the office door, I had hate letters. I had, so there would have been an undercurrent of abuse where people would say, Well, that one. Is this or that one is whatever um, and you have to be able to ignore it a lot of the time but there's times when you would actually say gosh I'm mm-hmm. I mean, imagine somebody would go to the bother yes.
1: of... So you must have particularly felt for the likes of Michael Healy Ray um, you know in I, terms you
12: of... See you'd feel for it insofar as that, the, that I've seen how they operate <coughs> down in, in Kerry and how they do their canvassing yeah. and like they're immediately somebody in the back of their van is yeah. sending a letter Immediately, citing this is what we're doing. This is when I will have an answer. And they just have got a system. Mm. It's a great machine, isn't absolutely. it? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have mm. to admire and respect that. I mean, his his antics and the cop and the Capulean and all of that. And his that that's another yeah. that's another aspect to him. But it's it's um, yeah. it can be a very very frightening place.
1: And and before I move on, what I found unusual, and I'm not sure if it spoke if it speaks about the knowledge of the people who were there, but I mean, a lot of what they were on about, Michael would have spoke out about, like, you know, where yeah. where gender politics are concerned, where, you know, the COVID vaccination is concerned. I mean, he would have spoken out about those issues yeah. as well, you know, yeah. so it's interesting. Connor, what did you make of it?
3: Um, I think what what surprised people was the rate of escalation, how it went from zero to this extremist so quickly. Um, I think Irish protests have been very sedate and mm. Um, historically Mm. and I think what we've seen now is the extremism element coming into it Is that choreographed do you think? Is that orchestrated? Absolutely, I mean look at the headlines of the press they've gotten but um, if you compare ourselves to for example the French and what they did earlier this year in terms of their protests I mean they were happy to burn the cities So, but they get reactions Mm. their protests are efficient they they block motorways They, they don't care and they will do whatever they want. They'll burn town halls, they will do whatever they, they, they like, and they will succeed. And that's how they get results. Whereas we, as a nation, lie down. Mm. We lay on the ground and wait for people to drive over us. And if we had, had more of these probably more dramatic but maybe unnecessarily violent uh, mm. uh, statements or stands against the actions the government are taking, we probably have a very different society now. Who do you think these people are? I mean are they disenfranchised people are they people who are you know I think they're people probably taking advantage of uh, the unrest that's kind of growing in society at the moment and this this the agenda globally of paranoia and we're big big brother and globalization mm-hmm. and global domination and we're all just minions um I think they're feeding off that but I don't think they're particularly um have an agenda other than just causing disruption. I I don't think that they they don't intend forming a political party to go in against Fianna Fáil. I mean, that, they're certainly so not. So it's not about that. No, as as no, I don't believe so.
1: All right, Mark. I'm interested to see. I I'd be guessing now what
10: you're going to say to me. Well, I mean, I I, I mean, the one the one thing is. You have to have the utmost respect for anyone who puts themselves in front of the people for an election with their particular views. Mm. Whether you
1: agree or not. Whether
10: you agree or don't disagree. I think it's, I mean, it's part of our democracy that someone will stand, well, I said, I believe in X. You go in front of the people and they either say, yes, I like that idea, and they'll vote you in, which means you have a mandate, or they say, no, I don't like it. When you see like two or three hundred odd people up there with completely diverse uh, and some lunatic uh, conspiracy theorists... I totally agree with Connor. I think they're just there to cause trouble. I don't think, and to take advantage of um, of people's, you know, genuine concerns about things like housing and, and such, which are genuine. And then they're just there, absolutely, just to cause trouble and mayhem. And I, th- this, what has in- entered into this uh, online, uh, kind of going into the online abuse, is this having cameras in your face, and they're mm. going into libraries and poor li- like librarians and they're out taking books off. Thing. I think it's a disgraceful direction that is going. And I think, I totally agree with the with the prosecutions that are going to happen. However, I would have concerns about, you know, um, the ability to have an element of free speech and certainly the the new bill going through in relation to that. But this is not the right way to deal with it, certainly by going and putting cameras in faces. And I mean, they kept maintaining it was a peaceful protest. It was no way was that a peaceful well, the, protest the abuse. Of the yeah, I mean, of the there may not have been any extreme violence, yeah. but it certainly wasn't peaceful. And I look, you saw the the images of of, of Michael Healy Ray in that, mm. and I mean, you could see the genuine concern in his face, you know. And I think that is that is wrong. What I would say to the people like this is put your put your views forward, stand in election, and if people want it, well, then they will elect you, and then you can go and represent that community. This way of doing it in, in mm. violence and, like, very much I think it's been led by some of the stuff that's going on in America, like the gallows that was visible, very much reminiscent of, of the of the uh, January 6th in America. And I think people are seeing this mm. online and, and, I mean, you know, the, the But the is craziness. there
1: a danger, Mark, that we will write this off now as a security issue and we'll put a cordon around the doll and a half kilometres or whatever around, and that that's the fixing of it. I mean, should we not be having a conversation around this and saying, look, these people are reacting to the fact that there's a single narrative on all of the issues that they're concerned about. There's not proper dialogue or discussion about it.
10: Should we learn a bit no, more I, from I, this? I, th- I think there's a the yes and no answer to that. I think, yes, there's a security issue in around the Dáil and, then, and I think that needs to be addressed for sure. But I don't think there is. these are a group of people who have a particular... A particular dialogue, you could sit with them and put them in a room because they're diverse. I mean, you have the, the people gone about the lizard people running the country, you have the COVID people, you have the immigration, the sex education. I mean, like you have two or three hundred people protesting about probably two or three hundred different issues that are across the spectrum, if you want to call it the between the left and the the hard left to the hard right. I mean, so there's no they don't have a coherence ban. And I think they were just there to protest. And mm. to get a reaction, and I think, yes, there may have been some very genuine people there who were caught up in this, which seems to happen. But one thing I would take issue with, Connor is in relation to what's, I mean, the French. Um, if you look at the the protests they had over the last maybe year or so, which is predominantly to do with, with, the, with the introduction mm. of the uh, retirement age, mm, yeah. it hasn't been any way successful. They got nowhere. Mm. There's been no, so I think what's happening Macron in France. Really
1: held the line on that.
10: Oh yeah, yeah. and I think was 64. I, I think is it. 64? Oh yeah, it's huge age, yeah. like you know. I mean, <laughs> yes, yeah, went up from 62 to 64. I mean, I mean, yeah. and the French nearly lost the plot, yeah. like you know. But I think what's happening is that the 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 French government are are particularly concerned about the the rise of Le Pen and that and that. So they yeah. are taking a very hard line in relation to their, that these type of extreme protests are not getting traction. In the, in the way that maybe like the farmers protest did maybe 10 years ago, where certainly they got reactions. Again, I think we have a scene of, of a disparate bunch of people taking a stand with, just for the sake of creating trouble, and I think that's where I would have a concern about the the hard right and the hard left are these groupings which are just there to cause trouble and and discourse within their d- democracy. Well, when
1: you were in Brussels, uh,
12: w- was there any talk
1: about uh, protesting and the dangers of and that sort well, There was, there?
12: There was a, a protest one night, and I know Nessa Childers got caught up in it, <coughs> um, and they had they had put smoke bombs. Um, wow. And they and there was some sort of noxious gas in it, and she was she certainly had to go to the hospital and get checked out. Um, there would have been protests at times, depending on, like mm. it's a, the the whole. And, and this was wasn't Irish, just Irish. It was it was farmers, mm. and it was farmers coming because there was some subsidies, and there was well, I I don't know what it was about really, because me and farming didn't. <laughs> Didn't really gel all that well. You go, know. On, yeah. go on, go on. Yeah. Um, for a country lady, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 yeah right. But, um, but,
1: but that's interesting, isn't it, Conor? Because the, the farmers were protesting, I mean, at the think-ins for Finnaval and Finna They were protesting down at the ploughing championships as well. Maybe the language wasn't quite as
3: colourful, but they were protesting and they were very angry. Hmm. Yes, but I mean, there's a way to convey your argument and a way to convey your protest and get your message across without going to the ex- from zero to extreme is i think is what's caused the issue mm. if they if there had been an escalation of we've had asylum protests, protest you're not listening and then you say let's go to the next level then then you would understand it yes but to, just to i think it was a, a publicity stunt to get the extreme headlines that they did get did but again it's, i think i think what's driving it all is people's frustration that in the political system they're not seeing democracy or they're not seeing their views coming through. So people feel mm. that they're just being ignored. So they're feeding off this Of course, this yes.
1: That, did you find anything a bit hypocritical though in blaming the far right for this and there certainly are right wing elements to it when you consider what happened to Joan Burton in, in Jobstown with maybe a more yeah, yeah, I mean, left
10: wing I, I, sort of a... I heard a very interesting interview with Michael McDool during the week I don't know if anybody heard it in relation to is that there the far right get blamed for an awful lot of of things and it would it would appear that the far right would get cancelled very quickly mm. however there's equal amount of vitriol on the far left mm. however the far left are never held to the same kind of account as the far right now i completely disagree with both extremes mm. i mean i think we should be trying to have our democracy within dialogue Win it, and I mean, I just remember, Connor. What you said there about that their views aren't coming through, but we have a democracy, and I mean, people put their views forward, and they go and get elected. And every every number of years, we have an election, and you can bring in people or not in people, and you can stand for election. So the views of the majority of the people are being heard not because really. well, no, because we are well. Why but then? Well, then if they weren't being heard because people um,
3: feel there's no there's no there's no there's no choice being offered well that, that's very interesting isn't it is but, there a choice no there's no. but then it,
10: then you know. then why I mean what I mean interesting so inter- independence because we can't agree on any party to have but then the independents can't coalesce around anything because they don't Correct. have not enough of them are, are it's not the enough flow of have democracy but it's not a flaw in democracy democracy is it's sorry democracy it's the
3: flow is wrong. Of How we uh, we operate the system we call democracy which is not democracy in this country
10: why we, we have not hanging I not I mean I'm saying one thing we have each people put are put up who have a view they will stand for election. If they get enough traction, then they get enough votes. If the majority of the people, because we're run by a majority, not by a minority of views, if the majority of the people will coalesce around a particular view, then that's the view of the country going forward. That is the very definition of what democracy is. Just because maybe a small number of people may feel disenfranchised Ooh. by some element of it, doesn't get decided for uh, the majority. I, I wonder
1: we're going down a small bit of a, a yeah. sort of a, a, <laughs> a sidetrack now. But I mean if you look at last time around, people did vote for a change, but Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and the Greens kind no, 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 cobbled well, something together.
10: Yeah, but that's because the left couldn't get a, get enough yeah, but coalescence but, amongst themselves because they can't agree. So but, therefore, but they you don't... do take
1: my point though, that I mean no, people did vote they, they, for a change.
10: No, they didn't ultimately, because the majority of people voted for no change. No, because the because system because they have no no, them. because they have the num- they have the they have the majority of the number of TDs Ds, which is the way the System works, so the majority number of TDs, which could agree going forward, and had the majority of the doll that is the majority. Phil, that, are we in a, a much remember, worse place? Representative democracy, do
1: you have. think? Are we in a much worse place than we were? I mean...
12: I, look, I think that when you start blurring the edges and you see protests and you see protests that go outside what would be considered a normal means of protesting and maybe <laughs> having a placard and having something, when it when it gets to the, the level where people are actually frightened or upset, yeah. you have mm. to really rethink yeah. the whole thing. In relation to... Are we
1: overreacting to, a little?
12: I, I don't think we're overreacting. I think we're reacting to a change in a style of protest and i think that needs to be flagged because there's a lot of vulnerable people who work very late into the night i mean i know there was times in the senate when one night we were expected to stay up all night to get some bill passed so that it could
6: Hmm.
12: come into fruition but there's there's a different kind of a thing now i think that the whole cobbling a government together so as that you get the parties of power, traditional power you get suddenly, you get Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil very happily married now, very I happily am. married yeah, absolutely. but I think the next time um, Sinn Féin are going to put up so many candidates and if they if they do things right they have a serious chance of actually governing Yes, and, but, and but it
1: looks like that they're not looking to the left either. The possibility well, is see, that they're, they look to... Well, you see,
12: they're becoming centrist yeah, because it suits the narrative yes. now yeah. to become mm. centrist. So it's mm. not as if um, they're going to depart too far from it either because they will see that, I mean, their housing spokesperson is terrific, mm. their their mm. health House spokesperson. spokesperson yeah. are, you know, they're mm. really, really very articulate people, very bright people. But there's articulate and bright people in every party.
1: Yes, yeah. You know,
12: so look, I just think there's a sea change going on. I think there's going to be a looking for something new and not seeing the old souls cobbling together yeah. a, a sort of a yeah. mishmash. So, Connor, you
1: you wouldn't see what happened on Wednesday as some sort of a turning point, then would
3: you? Is it a blip and uh, like yeah? You know? I, I I don't see. I mean, they didn't have a whole groundswell of support behind them. Yeah, no, it was a couple like of hundred people. A couple there, of hundred yes, people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you. This used to be the extreme stuff that happens on May Day uh, in the UK's the protests. They, they throw paint on the wall yeah. and they object yeah. to capitalism yeah. and all this sort of stuff. I think this is probably the same sort of just civil mm-hmm. disobedience they're trying to subscribe w- to.
1: Was I going too far the other day when I started to make some comparisons with January the 6th? I mean, they could have overrun security. Um,
10: I, I I think there's a yes and no. I mean, it, I think if they had a chance, they probably could have tried to do something like that. Yeah. But I I don't think it was in the context of what January 6th was, which was to try to overthrow an election and try to reverse an election. So I don't I don't think it was that element of it. But certainly I'd say if they had any chance, they would have tried to get in. They could have got in. I mean, yeah. And I think, mm. look, I mean... I, but what were they really going to do? They were going the to thing? do nothing. I mean, it was... But again, a bit like the January 6th people. They got in. What they do? They sat the, the desks yeah, and they, they threw, threw stuff window around window. and they broke a window. I mean, like, I mean, so... But this is the problem, I think, with this grouping is... It's like you know the the dog who catches the car. What do you do with it? Mm. You know, I mean, they, they if and I think I, I think I, I totally agree with, with um, Phil about Sinn Fein, <laughs> in that Sinn Fein are going to the centre. And there's no doubt about it. But politics of most, well, that's clever politics. But everyone, you know? but, but the if you look at the majority of people are in the centre. Mm. I mean, it's the fringes on the left and the right, and but the majority mm. of people and elections are won and lost in the centre. Of course, yes. because you
1: but have all these, the issues that came up. Sinn Féin will be in agreement with the government. With like yes, but well, I mean, in, if you look in, look at the
10: language, they've changed. Yeah. I mean, like where they've said housing, we'll do it overnight. I yeah. know it might make it might make two yeah. governments. Well, even if so the like, language is changing,
1: trans issues, yep. all of that would be yep. similar to what the government and is, it is. Yeah, and I mean, on. but
10: I mean, I think you know, it's very, easy. and I think that's why I, I, they will, they won't be able to form a government from the left, is because the left are are there. It's very easy to throw stones and to say, no, this is not right, this is not right, until mm. you now are in power and you go, well, well, we have to make a decision. So we have to do something. Mm. And that's a very different thing to do. It's a bit like, you know, put yourself, I say to people, if you feel that strongly, put yourself up for election and see do you get enough traction.
1: All right, we'll take a break and we're back with our panel in
0: just a moment.
1: I keep saying the best conversations are the ones that happen during the ad break. Don't don't say it. We'd be cancelled. We'd be cancelled very quickly. Mark Small is with us, Conor O'Brien and Phil Prendergast as well. Uh, President Michael D. Higgins, uh, he said there's no doubt whatsoever that there will be big changes in the diet um, arising from climate change and the cost of living uh, pressures. And I suppose the big question has to be, is it the President's place to advise the public on what they should be eating or should he be speaking out about uh, things like this? Of course, the farmers, particularly the IFA, are very, very vocal uh, about this. Connor, do you want to take that first of all? Is, is it his place? Is he pushing
3: his role again uh, in terms of... Uh, why why wouldn't why wouldn't it be his place to to have a, have an opinion or a comment on where we are in the world in terms of climate change and dietary habits etc i mean the the reality is that yes things will change but I don't think it's going to be as extreme as, as people are, are are talking about. I mean, people's diets have changed as the poverty trap has grown already and they've progressed more into processed foods and away from the the, the traditional, probably more wholesome foods. So I, I don't think... Uh, it's probably more just an observation on this is where society is going rather than an actual diktat of... Reduce red meat or reduce whatever else. But to so, use the platform of the National Ploughing Championships where he knew... <laughs> you have a guaranteed audience and you get, you get a bit of publicity, from I mean, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And I, to be honest, I mean, it fed, feeding off the, the cancellation of the tweet and all this stuff by everybody else, I mean, yeah. that is a step too far in my view. I mean, the, the the specialist should be able to advise... Actually, it's proven that too much red meat is bad for you. Right. Just because it doesn't fit the farming agenda doesn't mean you can't say it. was the ERSI, was it? Uh, uh, it was the EPA. Or e- oh, sorry, e- the EPA, e- EPA yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, this, this, we're going down a very, very dangerous route of limiting speech and what you can and cannot say, and institutions like that I are know, supposed to be... the part
1: presidential of... role is one that has parameters to it, does it not? But why, is, why no should he not
3: been... be able to, to opine on... Right. Uh, on. He's, I don't think it was in a specific instruction that right. you should all change your diets. It was a, comment it was that a commentary. We're facing yeah. the reality of a changing diet. How do
1: you feel about that, by the way? I mean, he's talking basically, let's let's cut to the chase. He's talking about cutting back on our consumption of red meat. So. Mm.
3: Yeah, but also, I mean, our our consumption globally of like importing avocados from New Zealand and buying bananas from Brazil and I mean that there's, there's a growing natural tendency for people to come back to more local which is why the farmers markets are doing so well why we see such daily fish can be shipped to you from Galway overnight to your, your, your Tipperary home the next yeah. day I mean there's a growing growing interest from people and even from a health perspective people prefer to stay away from processed meats now and they prefer to go to the more natural the natural alternatives Well a lot of people
1: can only afford the agreed. Stuff. You know. Agreed. Yeah, it's, agreed. Yeah. Uh, the the danger about it is, of course, if we cut down on our production of beef, we will yeah, end up I, importing I, it from somewhere. Yeah. I our, mean, I think
10: I think there's a, a conversation needs to be happened more. And I mean, it's a global question. Yeah. I mean, and I think look, it 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 has been. I mean, I love red meat. I Jesus, I I have it. I couldn't beat a big meat steak. It. Like yeah, you know, I must. Say I love it. But I think on on the over things, it's it's not as healthy as you, as it is for other things for you. I mean, certainly. I mean it incidence of bowel cancers and things like that which are associated directly with red meat so it's not it's not like this fantastic product that we all should be drinking or eating loads of it it's within moderation like everything else the conversation we should be having is if, if, if the Irish farmers have to cut down on what is local Meat and local co- local food and things like that, and then we start importing it in from the likes of Brazil. To me, that makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would we? Footprints. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, so so the Brazilians can do all the all the production of of beef, but then the Irish have to cut back. I don't. Uh, this logic is is a kind of dissonance for me. If we're going to reduce the amount of meat, well, then let's just reduce the amount of meat and limit then the amount of meat coming into the country or whatever. If that's what the government so wish. I don't think that's what I would like but anyway because I'd like to have the choice. Um but I- in relation to say what what the president had to say we all see, every time he opens his mouth we all seem to jump up and down and go he can't say this he can't say that. So well, you I kind think, of even most wonder of time
1: I agree with him but uh, yeah. but he does push Oh
10: the boundaries, no but then we kind he? of wonder you know. if 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 the purpose of the president is literally just to open envelopes or open Ceremonia. a thing, a right. ceremonial. Right. Well, then why bother having a presidency? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I think it's not... Whether you disagree, agree or disagree, the the country elected someone to represent them. Hmm. Now, if he disagrees with the government or goes against the government, well, then that's something between the government and the president have to trash yeah. out. But he is an elected person representing us and I, I think he should be free whether you agree or disagree with him, to say what he feels like. Right, but but I mean, constitutionally, he's not. i ah, sure the constitution, ah, no. like oh, Let's get down that road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's in the constitution that we're not
1: allowed to. What do you think, Phil? What do you think about all this? <laughs> I,
12: I'm such a fan of Michael D. He yeah. can say whatever he liked. Yeah. I personally don't eat meat, but it's um, it's it's very much what he said. It had validity. He, hmm. he said, you know, we need to cut down and, uh, we, you know, we need to kind of change what kind of foods are, are being used. There's a whole scope here for people to go into to, to diversify into maybe different types of yes. growth products and, and maybe more people should go and have their little part of their garden set mm. over and grow their own vegetables and stuff like that. And I think we're going to come to more of that because... Do you think people, so? I do, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, why would you go over and buy a package of scallions uh, when you could, <laughs> you could grow them in and, a couple of weeks? And what
1: about that argument that even if we were to be the good boys and girls here and really got it together and made all of our targets, it won't matter a goddamn <laughs> if India yeah. doesn't get it together, if China doesn't get it together. And uh, as I think it was Mark, said, what about what they're doing in the States as well? Like...
12: there's a balance to be struck, I think, between having a policy and between having good food choices. I think what might have aggravated people is that you'd go to something like the ploughing championships, which is the big panacea for everything that's good about farming and the muck and the water and all of that. And you you then have have all this, um, you know, people protesting... And then Michael D comes and puts the spanner in the box <laughs> and saying like, you, with, "Yeah, you but he was misinterpreting
3: what he was doing. He, he, there was an, it's a golden opportunity for." Def- farming community to now say, well, there's other stuff we can make. We're just producing what the market wants. Mm. And so mm. why not take it the other and way in, and say... In
1: fairness to him, people jumped on him by way of some headlines that were written, but he did speak about compensation for farmers affected by yeah. climate change, and he did yeah. make that point. But about. That, there's
3: a plethora more. of crops that we could start or other <laughs> alternative uses that farmland could be put to if they didn't want to produce red meat. They But, could grow but lentils. it's not that simple, Connor. It's not
1: an overnight thing, you know, no. that... People can but
12: there's it. more protein Why sources, there? so there is in in lentils and stuff like that as well that if you were getting your protein, you're trying to say, well, I need, you need to have protein because it's good for... Do you for hear
1: the farmers gar- gathering at the gate?
10: <laughs> <laughs> no, you have go the back door now, Phil. <laughs> if I want to sit down on a, on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening for, for my meal, I think a nice, healthy steak I would prefer no, than and I, a big feed of lintels. Be, I
12: wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge you one bit for that. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what good, I mean? There's yeah. horses for courses. Yeah, <laughs> except,
10: yeah. except... But actually, the most protein big. is actually in insects and I don't see Ireland transferring no, no, well, over I'm to insects. Either,
12: I don't think so. Yeah. So,
10: anyway, is it a general thumbs
1: up for Michael D? And he was okay to say what he said? I, I think, I think, I think, so, I think yeah, so, yeah.
10: I think so, yeah. yeah.
1: My God, we all agree. I, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that, yeah. Yeah, but it's
3: not democracy, friend. <laughs> 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 I
1: have a funny feeling we'll be agreeing somewhat on this as well. Russell Brand, of course, facing accusations of rape, sexual assault, emotional abuse over a seven year Uh, Period. Uh, This has been headlines all around the uh, the world, of course, at this stage. And then some of his fans coming out and say, oh, the reason for this is because he's so outspoken about various different uh, things that he's being shut down by globalists and all of that. Mark, do you want to start that for me? Russell Brand, by the way, before this, did he mean anything to you? Did you know about him
10: very much? Yeah, well, I knew him. He was a complete and utter lunatic. (laughs) I mean, I think he was the... Was it the conspiracy theorists, the COVID conspiracy, the farm, big pharma, the the lizard people in running the world? I mean, he was all he was in he was the full he had the full spectrum of of all this. Um, in the early two thousands, I think. I mean, his his comedy shows were you know extremely sexist. Uh, I mean, I I you know not funny as well I would see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so yeah. I mean, I would I would have known him. Um, I've only by reputation yep. what you would see uh, or hear. And certainly, COVID gave him a great opportunity to now kind mm. of get a whole fan base around and him. And he has a huge career for himself, and, and
1: yep. one that he might be able to go back to, whereas if he was on mainstream media, he no, might I find, mean, find yep. that an awful lot more difficult to, sure. to, to do so. But it took so long for all of this to emerge. Is but, there something in
10: the yeah, I that look,
1: notion that he's being shut down? And so no, I,
10: I think... I think this just goes to show is that I mean, if there are allegations of sexual assault or rape or things like that that suddenly you know people who come forward who try and bring this forward they're in a very difficult situation because suddenly i mean they become the, especially with certain certain groups that come out, they become the victim yeah. or they say so they become the target going, why are you saying this and why is it taking you so long but I mean it's a very very complex issue i mean if you have accusing people of of, of no matter what it is and then social media then decide the outcome as opposed to letting the processes of, of the courts deal yeah, with but it. This is it like suddenly.
12: public opinion is being yeah. shut down yes, so. and, and he th- that man has a, hasn't been convicted of anything. No, and I was but going to... Yeah. The whole yeah. medium yeah. Everyone, of his everyone. operation has been That's,
1: shut. that's a very good yeah. point. Yeah.
12: Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone
10: yeah. has shut him down no matter which way. And he's, all, he's, been, he's been accused and, okay, and people have come out in that and whether there's validity or not validity to that thing, we shouldn't be holding this on social media. This should be dealt with through but the court system. What is that not
1: inevitable now,
10: Mark? It is this inevitable, is but it's it not is. right. I mean, we should we should be riling against this because sure. any one of us could be in a situation where suddenly we get cancelled yeah. because of something that may or may not be true or ever said against us. Mm. And, and I'm and I'm not saying that anything the accusations against them are true or not true. Mm. I'm just saying is we should allow. The systems that we have in place as a democracy, which is judicial system, to deal with it. Now, maybe the judicial system is too slow or the, it's not correct in the way it's yeah. set up to dealing with sexual offences. That's a different conversation, but that's where it should be dealt with, yeah, not I, online. And I don't
12: think it can be reactive either no, because... No. Like the these women, these five women that came forward hmm. was between two thousand and six and two thousand and thirteen, yeah. I believe. And there's obviously validity or their yeah. belief that yeah. what he might have said that he was extremely promiscuous. Mm. Extremely yeah. That's by his
1: own admission. Oh, yeah, that's his, his, comedy, shows his yeah. comedy shows, comedy shows were his based on it. Yep. And,
12: and I personally would not have liked his style yeah. at no, all. No. So I generally mm. wouldn't bother. I just switch over mm. or go to bed. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. I mean, I just wouldn't be watching that type of stuff. Stuff. But he um, he he need processes and due processes. Mm. Everyone is entitled to them, and it does seem as if everything is. It's like the Me Too movement. Oh, shut that down! Shut that down! Mm. Shut this off! Yes. Cut but off no, his supply of getting money. No
1: process. No, no process. proper process. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's interesting that Elon Musk, Andrew Tate. Tucker Carlson came out. Might have been better him, off yeah. if they stayed away from the, the, the conversation <laughs> to come out and support him. That that was, you know. Yeah. Elon know,
3: yeah. But as he's never one to shy away from a bit of controversy, <laughs> really, is he? I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's a man that uh, I mean, look, people love getting the attention I yeah. mean that's just what this is mm. uh, Russell Brand is a person who has always just craved attention and that's why he's always been so extreme and controversial and, and controversial that's mm. a, and, and that's yeah. how you stand out from, from everybody else I mean uh, the, all, all the comedians that you see like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and all those mm. guys I mean just the, the extreme end of, of just really what what is considered acceptable or reasonable and that's how they get phenomenal success mm. and and what what I suppose is unfortunate is that the attention and this uh, that and the money and everything else that these guys attract because of their success, they they, they just become these invincible, untouchable course, superheroes yes. that is no he, one can is ever he take down. of. finished
1: by the, whatever happens with due process, is he finished because of this? Do you think? No.
10: I wouldn't think I so. Think so. No, no, I think it could even increase his. He, I think thing. I could even, hey because there Trump. is, yeah, I mean, there is, there is a whole group of people, actually, yeah. there is a whole group of people who, who buy into these conspiracy theorists and, I mean, people ask, you know, well, why do people put this? Because they make money out of it. Yes. Because they get clicks on YouTube, mm. because well, look they, look they, they sell Tate, merchandise. I mean, with, with this
1: extreme misogyny, you know, oh, extreme yeah, yeah. misogyny. And look, look at the following.
10: But like, yeah. look at those with the, in America, the Infowars crowd in America and yeah. that. I mean, and they, they make a fortune out of people who are watch the stuff buy the merchandise do all this so i think you know this this will be i think in within the non mainstream area and the social media this this could be great for him and i mean and i mean he doesn't really care because whether it's mainstream or not as long as he's making money from the other ones now the difficulty for him is if the likes of YouTube shut him down or or mm. where he can have the ability yes. to make money. That's where it would hit him.
1: You know, I, I understand there's other platforms that he can use. Yeah, but
10: I mean, not to, the, not to the, the accessibility yeah, yeah, of the of other yeah, platforms. Before this
3: week, when did we last speak about Russell Brand? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Like, when it came out,
1: I had to remind myself of <laughs> I, Russell Brand. But anyway, that's my excuse. Uh, we'll take a break. We're back
10: in just a moment.
0: Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact
10: us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com.
1: Welcome back to our Friday panel. Phil Prendergast is with us, Conor O'Brien and Mark Small as well. Now, the Children's Health Ireland has published two reviews relating to spinal surgery for patients with uh, spina bifida in um, uh, Temple Street of course in uh, Dublin following a number of complications with patients and indeed the death of a 10 year old child last year. The Taoiseach has said some of the things he's hearing about certain spinal surgeries at Temple Street extend well beyond malpractice and this week the HSE commissioned an external review. The review was looking at the care provided by a single consultant at uh, the Children's Health Ireland. Um, what do you make of it Phil? It's really unbelievable.
12: Well it's, it's dreadful Fran, for any child that has a skeletal dysfunction and to think that there was products or items being used that uh, were, were going to do harm to children. So they're going in and you think you're in the best possible care in the centre of excellence and you're going to be able to just get sorted and have even staged treatments because sometimes the spina bifida and stuff like that can be quite complex. Yes. So I, I just think it's one of those things that's terrible for the reputational element to it, but it's really terrible for anyone that's lost a children, child of course, yes. or that a child has become more disabled mm. because of, of something that was used. And it's it's never going to be okay when you have what what would be termed a centre of excellence and you find out that the excellence is, is Doesn't not, exist. there's no oversight that there's no uh, are, are the that, point, yeah. why, why
1: wasn't there oversight on see I
12: don't understand this, it know? and sometimes yeah. I think that when you're in the goldfish bowl yes, you, ca- you you become insular and you become the centre and the person that's always right but there always has to be someone that has to call out when you see a succession of mistakes being made and they, really, I think every consultant that's working in a very, very designated specialist field should have oversight at some point in his career or maybe biannually or maybe annually where you look at your outcomes, you look at your successes, you look at what didn't work, you look at complications, you look at Quality of life for the child that needs this surgery or needs this this um, um, manipulation or it needs whatever it might need but
1: Phil, we've come across these issues before in in other circumstances you know we didn't seem to learn anything from from those.
12: You see, I think people are a little bit better now at actually calling things out for every consultant there's an excellent team. That supports that. There's people with expertise in the particular discipline whether it is orthopaedics or whether it is spinal issues or whether it is brain surgery or heart surgery. There's, there's, You have all these specialists and it's a very good policy to have meetings and you discuss outcomes particularly when the outcomes haven't been as they were expected to have. So there should have been regular um, meetings there sort of looking at at outcomes and saying "Um, this wasn't a positive outcome, this wasn't a positive outcome. You have to see then, what's the common denominator here? Is it one person that's making a decision or using some unauthorised element to the surgery that wasn't maybe
1: And that's the other point is the springs used and stuff
3: and they were unauthorized,
12: unauthorized and, and we, we
3: don't know yet how they got into the hospital. Connor, what what are you making of this story? I so suppose uh, to just pick up on first point what Phil has made. I mean, the well, I I disagree with two things. One is the reverence with which doctors and consultants are held up on this massive pedestal, but two is the fact that there is this absolute fear in the entire healthcare sector globally about uh, financial exposure because of a bad decision taken. Mm-hmm. And we've, I mean, all the Netflix documentaries about all these nurses and doctors who were yes. killing patients and they was just passed along hospital to hospital because they were terrified of what was going to be, they were going to be um, sued over what, what, what they allowed happen. And again, it's down to the oversight, exactly as Phil has said, where they don't have these review structures in place but again, just the fear, uh, and every decision taken now is, oh, what's the risk? Could could I have my name on, uh, on 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 risk for this with my insurance if I do make a bad decision? And that's why no doctor, no GP will make a decision now, and everything gets sent for a referral and a consultation. But what are you making of the fact that some of you know, the springs that
10: were used. They weren't authorised to be used. Nobody knows where they bought them, where they got them. I I, I find that element... I mean, there's two elements of it I find absolutely shocking. That's one of them, which is how... I mean, it's not like you're going to go down to the local DIY shop and get a couple of springs. Or or did they? You know, it was... I mean, how... Surely... Like I mean, my understanding of, of medical equipment is it's all certified and scanned and it's all, I mean, it all has to be scanned sterilized in and then sterile. I mean, so like it's not, so how, how did this, I mean, that must have been a complete and utter breakdown within the system. But then that kind of leads you on to another going, well, if the breakdown is in the system in those products, what, what else is, is now not being used, being certified in the system? One thing that I found truly shocking was, I mean, uh, Leo Radker is not known for his, um, you know, tact at times in what he does, but he generally picks his words quite carefully. Mm. To, for him to say that and as a doctor who would, I mean, this is not someone who doesn't know the system, yeah. for a doctor to say that this goes beyond, mal beyond malpractice, practice, does that mean it's criminal? You know, so you're kind of going, so like, like what is beyond malpractice? Like, malpractice, I mean, you have accidents, you have someone who's genuinely bad at their job, and that would be, I call mad practice. But was this something, if it's beyond that, is that criminal? I, I don't know, but for, him, but for the T Taoiseach to say that in the context strange, yeah. is a very, very concerning element to this particular thing. And I'd be kind of going, well, the two things was, yeah. the equipment and that statement, this is shocking i mean i think it's i think this could be a very 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 big and i i totally i mean i mean for someone who's been in the system with cancer you go to somewhere to hope that you get the care and that you end up being better and you put an incredible amount of trust yes in because you are hugely vulnerable sitting on a bed and you put the trust and the doctor comes in he says you need this and you go okay and i said i also need that." I said, okay you you're incredibly mm-hmm. vulnerable and then for the parents who think they are doing the correct thing for their children and putting that huge trust in these people to be completely broken in this and putting the stuff in, I think is, is, a, is a very, very sad state of affairs that we are in now.
1: The other thing, Phil, that I'm kind of perplexed about is the consultant, he ceased doing these complex uh, spinal surgeries um, in November of 2022. Uh, that's almost a year ago, and it's now yeah. we're finding out about this.
12: Yeah, and I suppose that that comes down to the fact that mm-hmm. sometimes a system kind of shuts down when there's mm. an inquiry going on. Yeah. Um, and an element, but like what Mark has said, is undeniably true for, for Mr. Veradkar to come out and make that statement. It was like really putting. <laughs> his interpretation that this was malpractice to a very great extent and the the consultant uh, or his his union will be liable for a huge payout for all of those losses and loss of of productivity for the kids loss of locomotion loss of ability to be able to be progressively you know treated mm, and mm. and treated appropriately so there's there's always. I think you have to be very careful when you're, say, the leader or the president, that you don't make statements that are going to, especially as Mark said, he's a doctor as well. You don't make statements about um, a situation, just kind of throw it out there, particularly.
3: He's almost preempting the outcome of the review. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, which just, disappointingly, is going to take one year to complete. Yeah. If this is such an urgent issue for the government, why isn't there two consultants working on it to do the review and get it done in six months?
10: But yeah, I mean, but, I mean it's like, and if, you, if you're if you in a business, you know the business. You can look at something and say, yeah, that's a problem. Now, you have to, it might take you a long time to get the report and get all the documentation, but you look at it and go, yeah, this, that's wrong, and I know what this is. I'd say it would ha- can only mean is that Radker has, has looked at this and gone, oh, well, there's trouble yeah. here. What, but what, but what do the knock-on with... now for waiting lists, for the four people, because they're going to have to stop everything, clearly, until they find it so now you're going to have this huge waiting list problem and all the, and I feel sorry for all these people who had expected yeah, to, well, to there get Well, there was
1: something. already a huge waiting yeah. list for these operations What well, what do you make of Stephen Donnelly though? I mean, he wouldn't come home. <laughs> like, you know, he stayed in New York and he spoke about his introduction of the Patient Safety Act um to make sure that we have mandatory
3: open disclosure in our country. Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> New York? This is just this is just yeah. a reflection of uh, of the, the the his performance and the government's performance on health and COVID for the for the last six seven years. But the optics of that are appalling. Absolutely, little... absolutely. There's, there's there's no regard. And again, all they're cared about here now is the financial exposure that they're going to have. That's all they're trying to do. They're trying to just deflect to say this is actually going to be someone else's problem.
12: But there's so many children that have been left further disabled. One hundred percent. But I mean, the total disadvantaged.
3: They're worried about the money. like What about the actual kids who have yeah. And yeah. I think one child there saw so thirty-three successive operations
10: yeah. after the initial one. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's, he is correct in this. In the mandatory disclosure, I think I think is a will be a good step. But. Yeah, he, he should have come back. I mean, like this is this is a major. Like, the a the has uh, the T shock has today. said this goes beyond malpractice, and your man is kind of hanging out in New York going and, and, and telling New York people about his bill. I mean, it's nuts. And this was the
1: other. And bringing it back to Michael D, this was the other thing that Michael D had an attack on. Of course, all the lads are out there now, even though the dial is open. But all our lads are out at the UN, and Michael D is making the point that yeah. <laughs> is it fit for purpose the UN? And, well, uh, I mean, so I, I, I are delighted I, to hear that. I'm yeah. sure when they were in New York. Yeah, when
10: yeah. But I mean again I, I you'd have to question, I mean you know is is the u n fit for purpose? I mean that's a whole different element of a thing yeah. because the vetoes so I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose of if you if you have it that you have these vetoes Russia's at war with Europe essentially, and now you have a veto they have a veto, and I mean, you kind of wonder yeah. the really a whole lot of it. but I in. think the optics of having yeah. the doll opens. And okay, you certainly have the you know the, the um, Simon Coveney or whoever it is, the relevant persons out there. But having a whole bunch of lads out there, well, we have a, the the health going on and that not yeah, wrong.
1: Yeah. Um, what, what about that? The optics of that, Phil? Were you shaking your head and going really?
12: Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's very strange that yeah. you know you're you're going to get this kind of scatter of people off into the sunset and various places and all sort of in terms of good relations and you know the,
1: the necessity of having all the party leaders out there, Eamon and. Uh, See you
12: know. again, I I found that weird because I think yeah. one of them should stay back. Yeah. You know they should pull the names out of a hat or something. <laughs> Eeny meeny miny yeah. Mo. I have to Stop now. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I I mean it's it's strange now. Simon Coveney is an extremely yeah. competent leader and he's an extremely. Confident um, politician, mm. and he's also to boot an extremely nice man, mm. um, very very kind fellow altogether, and uh, he's very clever. But um, so he he'd be a good substitute. Yes. But if there's formalities in place, and um, when the minister of of health stays where he is on a kind of a junket yes. sort of a thing, you mm. know, that's that's good for himself and his little break, and mm. nice to get up to New York to. Yeah, but I mean,
1: as we say at a time like this where you should be seen yeah. to be here and taking control but I suppose
10: now this, you know. they'll all be in Paris for the, sh- for the match I suppose like, you know, so they'll have to go straight from New York to Paris but walls. there's still
12: <laughs> people in Tipperary and Warton Kenny and Galway and the North that uh, have had surgeries done that has absolutely Taken the quality of their life That's down a exactly to a lower level yeah. and a lower level. And, and, and I'll be and
1: careful because um, thankfully, a lot of listeners took my side last week. I was talking to me, Hall Martin, and he took me to task because I wasn't positive enough about the HSE well, and, you and the health positive, service. You know?
12: It was very, I, I was mean, listening to that. Was to really? I, was, I was appalled was, at a, his really? response. It was just kind of. And I found it very strange for him not to have some degree of decorum. You, you were having. A conversation mm. about an issue that exists, and that issue exists above in Limerick Hospital because they closed mm-hmm, Nina mm-hmm. and they downgraded hospitals. Well, he, he
1: didn't accept any of that, and because and he didn't want to. Accept you know the it? irony of it, Phil? Is while I was speaking to him, there was 112 people on trolleys down there. You know, yeah. Like so. yeah.
12: Mm-hmm. so, and I mean that again. Uh, if you've ever walked into a hospital and mm. you've seen those poor people mm. trying to have access to toilet facilities. Yeah not able to get off a trolley and having toilet facilities brought to them. The indignity of not having curtains. You're looking at screens around people which don't screen you. You're looking at exposure... Whether it's it's intentional or simply because you're trying to do a job and do what needs to be done for that particular person and you have the variety of needs, you have a mix mix of males, females, yeah. they could have yeah. young children, yeah. young teenagers, and so just, it's really, just really
1: finally p- one of our listeners on listing out the various scandals over the years as well. You know, well, yeah. I mean this is only added
10: to I mean to I think I thing. think we have to distinguish this. I mean, because mm-hmm. again I was I was I was up for some stuff in the hospital recently, and you have to distinguish between the the care that's they people there are able to give mm. and they are I mean, within the, with the yeah. nurses and the doctors are absolutely fat out trying their best. Well, Sandra Collins it's spoke to me a system, while ago about, about her
1: liver transplant.
10: And yes, she, I heard that she yeah. had an excellent. Yeah, I mean, experience I mean, in fairness, you know? Touchwood, I yeah. have I have always had a very good ex- a good experience up in up in uh, Hospital here. And this out tip, now that's not the same for everybody else. I can always see it from my experience, but what I can see is the <coughs> the the effort that the staff put in. Yes. But what is clearly wrong is the system is wrong because you've these people who are trying their best in in very bad circumstances. However, the system is fundamentally wrong and that's the question we need to change.
1: All right, guys, there I must leave you. Thanks to Mark, to Connor, and uh, to Phil. Thanks to Emma, who was producing. Ellie looks after the content. Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel. And I'll talk to you on Monday. All's going well. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye.